Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. It's a special episode tonight. This is the Boston BJJ Family Reunion Edition. So when we started this podcast, our goal was to document the history of Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. In this episode, we get to sit down with a bunch of old school guys, Pat Barbieri, Nate Ryan, Chris Owen, John Brooks, Pags, Tadashi, Pell. We sit down with these guys and get to hear their stories about the old days of Boston BJJ. As always, this episode is brought to you by the world-famous Tortuga Soap Company. All the things you need to keep you looking and smelling good. Use the discount code PODCAST and get 20% off your order. Port City BJJ, home of the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. If you're ever in the Portsmouth, New Hampshire area, please come by and check us out. We'd love to train with you, portcitybjj.com. And this episode is also brought to you by BJJ Prehab. It's a program of custom videos to keep you healthy, injury-free, and on-the-mat training. BJJprehab.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for your support. We really do appreciate it. Stay healthy out there. Thanks, everybody. Peace. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being on here with us. Um, the whole reason we started this in the beginning was to get the history of Boston BJJ. And the only thing that I could ever really find back when I started was like a thing Chris Owens wrote. Um, so we started doing this and six years later, now here you guys all are. So thanks for coming. Um, Jay, you want to introduce these guys? Sure. I'll I'll actually let everybody kind of introduce themselves, do a bit of a roll call, um, so let's start on my bottom left. Nate, you want to start? My name is Nate Ryan. Let's see. I think you should start with Pat, though, and then go around that way. But um, I don't know. Like, like all of you guys, I'm one of Roberto's black belts. I've been training. It's actually just 25 years now. So um, teach at Mass BJJ, and um, I know all the guys on the screen here pretty well. So nice. I've been choked by lots of people here. Inter- hey, important thing. When you introduce yourself, can we take a vote to see? And if we all vote, Jay gets a mohawk. Jay gets a mohawk. I vote on for Jay getting podcast. a mohawk. On the podcast. I can probably make that happen, actually. Chris, you want to go next? Owens? I'm Chris Owen. Um, I'm, you know, one of Roberto's black belts as well. Kind of the... Jay's class and Mike Pellegrino and Brooks class and Peg's class. Um, I now reside in Arizona. That was worse than mine. <laughs> Pat, you were the original. You were the you're the old school of the old school here, right? I think so. I think so. The oldest, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What no, year did you start at Boston BJJ, Pat? So I met Roberto, um, I can't remember what year it was, 93? Alzheimer's. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Like five people at the school, something like that. Good times. That was even the downstairs school, right? You guys were somewhere else at first. 
Yeah, it was like, it was in the same building, but it was like way, it was in the top, way down in the corner. They had a fencing club there. Um, and there was a little, like, room on the side, actually, it was called American Karate. And uh, Roberto actually rented it from, first guy's name, his name was Joe, I can't remember his last name. Uh, and he had trained there for a while, too. Then Roberto just took it over. So that was the, the first one. Wait, was it Joe Best? No, no, no. Can't remember the guy's name. It'll come to me before the end. But it was a, it was like American Karate or something like that. And he had met Roberto. I don't. It was a business, but he wasn't really doing much with it. And um, you know, just turned into a jujitsu place. So that's where it started. John Brooks, when did you arrive on the scene? I'm not quite sure. I think it was like 2000, 2001 or something like that. That you guys were above. Uh, you were below the. Vinnie Greco's powerhouse gym. Mm-hmm. I think at the time I actually worked across the street and I actually went to Vinnie Greco's powerhouse gym, believe it or not. <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I found you guys. Yeah. And so it was, uh, Chris and Jay and Tad and the other Chris, all those guys must've started like right around the same time within a year or so is my guess. Yeah. So you guys remember when we started? Uh, I think it was, I think it was 2000 or 99 or 2000. Um, I'd come down for a, uh, like over the summer, I think of my, my junior year of college and done some classes, but I show, I remember I showed up on day one, day one, I had like a gi and like, I, I put on wrestling shoes cause I thought that's what you did. And Roberto was like, why do you wear those shoes, man? Can you not wear those shoes? And I was like, I don't know, I guess. You I know, I think I remember that AJ. Matt burns all over my face, like for the first six months, like every day, that's how I went home. Tadashi, when did you start training in Boston? Where'd you come from? He's muted too. Oh, sorry, I was on mute too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like I, I came all the way from Japan, you know, that was like 23 years ago, actually already 24 years ago. You know, it's a long story. I went to Kansas and I met May. You know, I, I, I came to the U.S. to study, you know. But uh, basically, like, I ended up becoming a jiu-jitsu guy, you know. Just May screwed me up. <laughs> My life ruined, you know. <laughs> Crazy. May, you ruined Tadashi's life. Can I, want me to tell you how he came to Boston? I came back here and Tadashi, we were all training in Kansas. And I still remember one time Tad was like, I think I would want to come out. And I said, sure, just, you know, let me know ahead of time. You know, if you need to stay with me, I, we can figure something out. And I remember I got a phone call and he's like, hey, Nate, I'm coming to Boston. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, when are you coming out? And he's like, I'm in Ohio. I'll be there in two days. I was like, <laughs> living at my girlfriend at the time's place. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what to do with you then. But you've been here ever since, training ever since. Yeah. Crazy story, you know. Yeah, I, I, only, get, you know, I only had 300 bucks when I came to Boston. That's all I had in my bank account. It was, I was crazy. And now you have all of this. Yeah, and I, I have all this. You know, I even have an apartment in New York City, you know. Right? Man. It's crazy. Maybe, maybe we should come to your house now, Tad. Yeah, next time, we, let's do this from my, my apartment. This, like, small apartment, you know? It's from uh, my kitchen right here. You know? 
Dude, you make, you you uh, work some magic in that kitchen. Yeah, right? we, we should we should uh, cook and you know cook some barbecue, drink, do the podcast. All right. Go go and go to Marcelo's and just you know get a butt kicked. You know, uh, it's it's all right now. Obviously, it's closed, but um, we should do it. But long story short, that's it. You know, came from Japan, went to Kansas, met Nay. Picked up jujitsu, came to Boston, got a job. You know, got a job through actually John Connors and Kenny. You know, we used to work together, Kenny Florian and John Connors. Translation, right? Huh? Yeah, translation company here. Yeah. So we we worked for John Connors' company, Kenny and me. It's just a crazy story. So Kenny and I used to spend like our time together, like from the like nine in the morning until like ten at night. It was, it was it, it's just a crazy, crazy story, but, you know, and it's a great journey, you know. It's incredible. I look, I look at all the guys, like all you guys out there. I mean, a bunch of you I got my black belt with. The other people I got my ass kicked by some combination of those things, you know what I mean? And that was it's a long time ago now that we all, like, started and kind of got to know each other. And it was jujitsu that the kind of all of this was based on. And here we are 20-plus years later, you know what I mean? Pags, when did you start? And does anybody ever call you that anymore? <laughs> Just you guys, I think. Yeah, so uh, my name's Chris Page, or Pags. I uh, was adopted at birth as a much worse name, so I shortened it. Uh, <laughs> I started in July 99, actually, uh, right after I turned 21. And uh, it was either between uh, Aikido or Jiu-Jitsu. So clearly I made the wrong choice and. uh <laughs> stuck with you guys for the last 20 years. Uh, and then uh, I trained in Boston, the old school in Watertown. Uh, then we moved to Newton. Actually, there were two locations in Watertown, right, when they re-renovated the building. Yeah, it was the upstairs uh, space we went to for a while. The upstairs space. Uh, and then we moved to Newton. And then, um, you know, I was teaching there for a while, uh, starting like 2005, and then from like 2007 to 2010, I, I was helping Roberto run the uh, our association that we had started at the time. What was uh, we did videos and um, ser- uh, tournaments, in-house tournaments, seminars. I was still about 2010. Uh, then I moved out to LA. Got fat, out of shape. Have you been training out there? I've been training off and on. I haven't done it. Um, I was at uh, Sean Williams School for a couple of years, but uh, it was a bit of a drive. Uh, I got a kid at a, five years ago, I had a little girl, so I uh, found something closer to home. I was training with this guy, Luis Panza. He's one of uh, Leo Vieira's checkmat black belts. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody knows who's, who, who that is. He's is really, that uh, a jiu-jitsu guy? Um, or? Huh? <laughs> is yeah. that a jiu-jitsu? He does jiu-jitsu? Some, yeah, well, I try to do jiu-jitsu with him, but uh, it was pretty embarrassing. He's like a 230-pound black belt, but rolls like a 150-pound inverted guard and everything. Uh, so I haven't been back. He moved to his school, so I've just been doing like some garage training with some friends for the last year. Uh, been practicing my social distancing, not because of coronavirus, just being uh, antisocial. <laughs> trained a ton uh, in the last year or so, but looking forward to getting back into it once this uh, – once the, all the gyms open up around here, I have a few friends that will have schools. Hey, so we used to, you, know, you guys remember uh, Joe Lee? Joe Lee's got a school out here now, too. I see him yeah. at like, uh, Cosmic or whatever. Cosmic, yeah. 
Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his T-shirt. That's his T-shirt. His academy, Cosmic. Dude, I got. I got to tell you, any any IBJJF tournament that I see this guy at, like, he's like, "Hey, Jay," and the next question out of his mouth is, "Is Tadashi here? Is it? Can he, where is he? Can I see him? Can I see him? Is Tadashi here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he's here somewhere, Joe. I just I don't know." He's like, "Well, if you see, like, here's my number. Text me if you see Tadashi." I'm like, all right, I'm on, I'm on the lookout for Ted. Hey, so we used to ask everybody that came on from Boston, like, who the weirdest black belt Roberto ever gave out? Is that Jay Mansfield? Are you asking me? Hey, yeah, who, who do you think, Nate? Medina. I always think Medina. <laughs> close. I can't say on here why. Um, <clears throat> listen, Jay's done – Jay has – imprinted parts of his body in the back of my retinas that I can't burn out and Medina's worse and Medina acts like he's all professional and everything all the time. Jay, it's like a child, right? Like he's going to do things that you just go like this, but, but it's like, or a puppy, right? You can't stay mad and you can't, <laughs> but Medina it's deep, inside of him and when it comes out it's horrifying he's still i think medina's number one nice so i can i can give some backstory on who this mysterious medina character is oh boy oh there's money there he is so bet you know taking it back to when i started i started at boston college with with a stand-up jiu-jitsu school there and medina was two years ahead of me so you know, uh, he was like a, a black belt or whatever when I was a green belt in the style. And, and they had mats, and, and eventually they started looking at, like, Pedro Carballo's Brazilian jiu-jitsu tapes. So I became, like, Medina's, like, test dummy for him trying this Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, we didn't really know what it was. It was all really static stuff that we did and, and not really, you know, against live opponents. So he's like, you know, try to choke me, and I would try to, you know, choke him in class with a – Gi and everything, and he would he beat me pretty heavily for a while. So in our group, we started studying the those tapes for a while, and we did. He did like the I think he did um, the Wuburn tournament, which was like in 1998 with um, with Coach and that crew. And you guys are you know Nate, you're probably there, and and Pat too. Um, and he lost, and he did like a few others too. He went up to the skirmish and lost, and and. We never, he never really got going, but he was still training, you know, and I, I came in and, and we, uh, we went, we, you know, cycled through, I didn't go to any of these tournaments, but then we went to the first one, which was 99. It was Woburn. It was coach's tournament, the small circle jujitsu tournament. Um, and I had my first match and it was against Jeff Choi, Jeff Chu. He was, oh, he was the, the screamer. Yeah. So Nate was, Nate and Pat know he was. So I fought him and I triangled him and I won. And it was like, you know, I mean, I'm not bragging or anything. The next match I got choked out from a friggin' thrust choke with my own guard. You know, I, I sucked. But I beat Jeff Chu and like Medina like flipped out because he never like won a match <laughs> up to that point. I won my first match in my first tournament that I didn't even beat on me for a year. Um, so then we kept training and the kind of the, the group dwindled, they got tired of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's hard yards, especially when you're first starting out. So it was down to me and him and we went to that tournament again in 2000 and we got smoked <laughs> and I had actually gone to Boston Brazilian Jiu Jitsu like after, after that first tournament. Cause I was like, you know, we're, we're not, 
we're not getting any better here. I'm going to try this place. And I walked in and who's in the locker room, but Jeff Chu, the kid that I triangled. So that was pretty funny. Also big Kev was there and, and my first day, Steve Kim was there. Um, this is just what I remember from my first day. Medina didn't join me though for a year. I had broken my collarbone, like actually a month into training and, and we didn't get going after we lost in 2000, uh, to a bunch of Vermont guys actually. Um, so, and then, you know, we came at, we, I remember that, that tournament that we went to the first one really specifically, um, we were training with this black belt in Long Island who we thought was, you know, the king and he had won a couple matches and, and his next match was against this blue belt. And the blue belt like took his back and choked him. And that was Kenny Florian. So, I, you know, we were like, wow. And you guys all came in with your tribal geese on. And we thought you guys were the coolest thing. So if you can't beat him, join him. So that's how we ended up there. Medina eventually started training in 2000, 2001. So that's, that's basically Medina and my entries into Boston BJJ. And I'm sure and the hijinks have, you know, escalated since then. I mean, I went to college with him. So I knew. I've seen Medina at his very best. So, you know, nothing that you guys have seen. <laughs> Medina went to college? Are you sure? What's that? I said Medina went to college. Are you sure? Yeah, he went to Boston College, man. There's many a night of him running through the mods next to the football stadium, shirtless, tripping over those parking chains. Dude, I, I always picture him, uh, like, in a big conference room. You know what I mean? And he's at the end of the conference room and he's being real serious with everybody. But underneath his like feet are dangling off the chair because he's too short and he's like kicking them back and forth while he's yelling at people and talking to them about like intellectual property and like uh, long-term investments and crap like that. He's probably on like a set of phone books, Jay. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Where is he? I thought he was going to be here. Medina is worried about his image. So we're bashing it for him. There's Uncle Mike Pellegrino, though, who is wow. not worried about his image. D.O.D., what's up, buddy? He's on. You're on mute. Fuck all you motherfuckers. You <laughs> <laughs> lost the first black belt. He's made for quarantining. He lives in the middle of nowhere. You're always a step <laughs> behind, Pellegrino. you got to unmute first, just like your jiu-jitsu game. Come to Arlington, get your ass whipped. Let's go. Just like, just like you get the black belt uh, after all of us. Remember that, fellas? I, I, I make sure every one you of you have it. That story. Roberto was like, "Oh, we should give one to Michael too." I guess I'm, I'm demoting myself. I'm going back to, to brown belt. Hey, I'm getting next a, time we get next time we get to put belts on. I guess. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> You know why are you not on the podcast? <laughs> He's on now. I'm actually on a Zoom birthday party for my brother. Well, hey, you're on uh, the podcast I, 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 now. I know you don't want to be on the podcast because you're always worried about your professional image. So I'm just going to blow you up right now. Hey, everyone, this is Stephen Medina. He's on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for those listening, uh, he just hung up right on Jay there. <laughs> I'll call him back. Hey, Pell, <laughs> you got a wide-angle lens on your uh, computer there? Your nose isn't getting in the screen. I'm going to kick your ass, too. You're second. I have to Brooksy. Yeah, whip right. on Brooksy, then I'm going to whip on you, you old. You guys are just two old men over there. It's real tough <laughs> when there's a quarantine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Medina's not answering. 
<laughs> at least at least Owens is like quarantined with like uh like the right beat. Owens can train like Pell, you can't train with Christy right now. She Yo, bro, oh, Owens is quarantined with a bunch of animals, dogs and cats. He's like a vet over there. He's the Tiger King. Exactly. Vet, huh? So good looking. What a good looking dog. <laughs> Have you guys Owens, you guys Pags. I haven't seen Pegs. Has he talked yet? Yeah. I'm late. You're for 20 minutes. You're late. We had a, a nice deranged Hollywood Square setup until you jumped Who, in. Who's the oh, fattest okay. one out of everybody right now? I am definitely the fattest. I can tell you looking around the room, like I did an online weigh-in last night, and it was not pretty. What are you at? So uh, the day the pans were canceled, I was under 204. Whoa. It was under 204 the day the pans were canceled. Last night, holding my laptop in my hand, I jumped on the scale. On the like the like a another podcast we did last night and I was two twenty seven. <laughs> yeah, but was it like a gaming laptop, Jay? Like, yeah, man, it was at least screen fifteen you know? pound laptop easily. Now I don't know, man. Maybe maybe five or six pounds. Like because I had, I had clothes on and stuff too, so I'm two twenty anyway. Bad. It's real bad. Thanks. How much are you? Uh, I don't have a scale, so uh, I feel like I feel like a triathlete now. What do you do now? I go by belt size. I think I'm like a 38 waist. Oh no! <laughs> Most people don't know. Like so, I like I I, I you know all of, literally everyone on this podcast. I tell stories at the academy all the time about you guys and the times we used to train. But there's two things about Pags that I used to tell everybody. First of all, we never felt bad when he kicked our asses because he kicked everybody else's ass too. Like, you know, he'd compete against everybody like, oh, like, oh, this guy was an ADCC. Well, that guy lasted 45 seconds. You know what I mean? It was, it was, uh, beatings were legendary. And then Pags was competing a lot in Nogi tournaments. And he was like, man, like, you know, and he started wrestling like a, like an animal and he would go to the, the Harvard stadium and he, what did you do? You would, you would come up the uh, the seats, come down the steps, and you do the pull-ups at the bottom of every section, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the Harvard Stadium. We uh, one of our students took us there. Yeah, he was a Navy SEAL training at Boston, and I like puked my brains out the first time. And then he made us like do like PT and stuff. And I'm like, all right, it's a pretty decent workout. Um, so yeah, me and a couple of guys would run it, do stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I remember those uh, tournaments. That was uh, it was the Dragon's Lair stuff I was doing for a while because they had those money tournaments, and uh, was couldn't complain about that. And uh, the other one was uh, it was one of uh, Pat's students. Uh, AGC those tournaments. AGC. What was his name? Jason. Yeah. Jason Hamill. Yeah. Who was the last That's one of Pat's. Guys, like <laughs> it was Pat. It was Pat's students. I don't remember him. <laughs> yeah. Is he still at your school? I can't imagine he is, right? He was at Boston BJJ for a while, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think he finished with us. I think it was – so in, in that tournament, I think Rick McCauley was the first guy. Like, you fought him in the first round, and so, someone was like, this guy was in uh, – got like a bronze in ADCC. He's really, really tough. And it was like a 45-second match. And Pag's uh, triangle was – yeah. No, actually, uh, Pags, wasn't that Vaca? Yeah, yeah it was, uh, Rick McCauley, I think, was uh, the rear naked choke. 
And then Vaca was in the final. You know, I was talking to Roberto last week, and um, I uh, actually dug up all the uh, old association videos, tournament videos, seminar videos, all that stuff for him. I think he's going to start putting stuff online, but uh, whatever's appropriate to go online. I have some videos from the Pan Ams, which are definitely <laughs> should not be shared. You guys have uh, businesses and families now. Um, but, yeah, i got to figure out a way to maybe see if we can get some more of the stuff. There's a lot of old videos of us rolling back, like 2008, 2010, all the tournaments we did, the local stuff, some of the Pan Ams, I think, when we did those trips, 2004 to 2006. Pags, how'd you get into jiu-jitsu when you started? Why'd you start? I started because I got my ass kicked in a fight. <laughs> nah. When I was like 20, I got jumped. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I went to learn self-defense. And I, um, I'd wrestled a little bit in high school, but not much. And uh, actually, I saw the original UFC with uh, Hicks and just tearing through everybody in those first three UFCs. What are you talking about? Hicks. That was Hoist. <laughs> hoist. Yeah, Hoist. Uh, and then I uh, found uh, the Boston BJJ website and uh, did a couple classes. I think Nate uh, taught my intro. Um, so I'm responsible for two of you. Yeah. 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 It was Nate teaching my intro. I remember I kept like shooting, we were like starting from the knees and I kept trying to figure out a way how to shoot double leg takedowns. <laughs> when you start from your knees, that didn't work out too well. Do you guys, do any of you guys, when you like where you're training, does anybody start on their knees anymore? Yeah, we do. Time. You do? Yeah. It just depends. There's a lot of people that want to start in their knees, whether they're injured or they just want to just start down there. And a lot of people are starting their feet. Yeah, I think it's kind of up to the person. We have crowded mats a lot, so we got to start from knees. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to pull guard pretty quick, but we usually start on the feet. But yeah, it's for if you're if you're injured or you don't know how to fall or know any takedowns, I think it's fine. Um, even even if you're going to pull guard with a sense of shame. I like John that. Brooks. How, why did you start doing jujitsu originally? Um, I, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think most like everyone else, like I probably came across the UFC videos early in life. And then I just literally stumbled across Roberto's Academy. And then I was like, uh, I went, I went in and, uh, watched a class and I'm like, all right, I want to sign up. And Roberto's like, it was almost like, he's like, are you sure you want to sign up? I'm like, yeah, I want to sign up. And, uh, that's kind of when I started, um, I don't know. I, I always enjoyed it. I thought it was like uh, it was a good mix of uh, um, of like uh, I guess uh, athletics, but also like it was very uh, it's very strategic as well, which is what I enjoyed about it. I think I enjoyed like the thinking portion of it more than the rest. So but yeah, Pat and Pat and Nate were teaching when I was there with the Florians and Roberto and a few other guys. So. Yeah, it was, it was good times. And I Speaking think of strategy, all... I, I would show up, like, from blue belt on, if Pat was teaching, I would make sure that I showed up, like, 15 minutes late to every class. <laughs> His warm-ups would make me want to puke. Like, yeah. Just, the I actually – That's a class. It was so rough. I made a mistake going to Pat's class once. I went to McDonald's first and had, like, a, a couple of cheeseburgers. Oh. And uh, Pat does this, like, warm-up where, like, you're, like – I remember, like, you're, like – you're know, like pulling up a belt, like you're like gra- like 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 grabbing up someone's belt, and like it was it was a tough warm up, and I, I never made that mistake again. 
Roberto used to tell me, he says, man, I think you're working them too hard at the beginning of the class. Might want to take it back a few notches. So I always stepped it up the next class, made it harder. <laughs> Pat, you do you remember all these guys when they first started? I do. Um, I think the only one, I think John, I was, I was kind of, at that time, when I had my daughter, I was, I was teaching less at that time. But everybody else, yeah, absolutely. Are any of these guys, you're like, man, I'm, I can't believe they're still training? Let me see. <laughs> well, <laughs> technically, I would quit. Well, you know, it's funny because when you guys were doing this, I thought, like, I always thought about the next generation of uh, people from the schools. Are they gonna, always going to have, like, you, we all feel like a connection to each other, even though we weren't there at the same time. There was some overlap, you know, some people leaving or starting their own schools. But the connection is awesome, right? So the question is, is like, there'll be people moving on from your schools who will start their own or become black belts. And will they have all those connections? You know, because uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's hard to see, I think, from Mass BJJ. I don't know if that would happen. Um, but it is kind of a cool thing to see, like, how everybody came together. When Chris Owens was telling his story, um, I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, and uh, I remember that tournament being planned. And it was the first tournament that I felt like everybody was starting to connect and see what everybody else was doing there from jiu-jitsu. And from Roberto and I at that time, we were, like, super in tune to, like, who was the school, who were the people out there, and how are we going to go back to our school and get better? It, it was an awesome time. But those, those early tournaments uh, kind of started all that. Um, and I will say, right before Owens, um, that tournament was actually in Burlington, I think, Chris, if I remember. But it was the, it was the Woburn Small Jiu-Jitsu School, right? But there was a tournament maybe, I don't know how far before that, was Joe Moffey had a tournament? Yeah. Was it no gi tournament? Anybody remember that? Yeah, I, I competed yeah. in that tournament. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we didn't have a whole lot of people that went there, but it was it was a no gi tournament, was raw as could be, and uh, I remember Matt Fletcher going. I remember Nate. I remember you there. Um, Keith. Keith went against Keith. that guy. So Keith That's in the final match. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like a complete mayhem of eruption. Remember that? So I remember. Keith had like two matches and they were really tough. And he's sitting on this, on the bleacher and he's like talking yep. to Kenny and he's like, I don't think I can do another one. I'm exhausted. I and I forget that. the guy that his name was Jefferson. Phil, Phil. Phil was the guy he was going against. At the, the, he had a couple fight. MMA fights after that and he kept getting yeah. DQ'd for like gouging people's eyes. And he was, he was an a-hole. And Oh, oh, uh, Greg Vining wasn't something like that. That was it. And yeah. so, so Keith's sitting there on the bench, like, exhaust he's like i don't think i can do it like i'm i don't have any and greg walks up and he's like are we effing doing this or what and keith just like throws his stuff off he's like let's go and they were hit they were slapping each other and pat's in there yelling and i remember pat smith was the ref for that match and he's threatening to throw you out to get off the mat i didn't know who pat smith was at that time but the whole crowd went, they, they came on the mat and circled around it and people were screaming and it was crazy. It was crazy back then. But that's how people started finding out about the school. Same way when Chris had said about the Burlington tournament, then you had people come in there and say, hey, you know, we saw your guys there. Then, 
you know, they just started coming over. So um, that was pretty cool. Pat, at the time of that tournament, were you a purple belt? Probably. No, no. You had to have been a brown belt. I was, I was a, probably a blue belt at that tournament. And I, I only know because I saw you the first day I came to Roberto's, I watched and Pat was a purple belt. And uh, I just had actually wrote a lot of this up. I was watching Pat because he was the first, I'd been training in Kansas for a few years. And um, Pat was the first American that I had seen that was a purple belt. And I remember watching him and I was like, I could take that guy. He does. He's not doing anything. I don't know. And the next time I came back, um, Pat had gotten his brown belt already. So I never rolled with you. And Pat, I said, Pat like murdered me without you. Like I remember having like that moment of, Oh, there's way more to this than I, than I get. Right. Like, um, but, but the first time I ever rolled with Pat, he was a brown belt. So, um, you were definitely a brown belt then at least. It was funny. One of one of the things that I remember very vividly about the, the that downstairs school is, first of all, obviously, how like this is literally everyone on this podcast from you know old school Boston. You guys were on the mat every night. Like we're on the mat together every night. You know, I suppose like I remember the Saturday classes we used to get together and we'd all just train, 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 train. But at first, we were as unified of a group as we are now. And I would look across the room and like I remember this for with a lot of people, but Nate had this old tattered purple belt when I started. And I was like, and it was like, man, he must've been a purple belt forever. And I forget what you told me, Nate, but it was like, there was a lot of handing down of belts at that time. Like people would wear people who got promoted's old belt. You know what I mean? So there was like, I think that purple belt went around for quite a while, but. No, yeah, that, but that was, so that was just me wearing it. Frankel gave it to me, but he had gotten a new purple belt and then got promoted to brown belt. So that was just it was a pretty new belt because that belt was falling apart. It was brand. It was in the. It was yeah. It was all. It was all together when he gave it to me. It was. He never wore it. So that was actually Medina's first class. I brought him in that one night. You know, he finally kind of acquiesced to training there because you know he's holding out, and I had been training there for a little bit. And um, we get in there, and they have the class, and Roberto promotes. Uh, a blue belt and he promotes Frankel to brown belt and Br- Frankel like strips down to like his banana hammock and people start whipping him and Medina is like where in the fuck did we just start training like he why did I not start doing this sooner savage <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life I was just like dumbstruck I was like fearing the day that I would get promoted when did that stop for me it stopped um, at Brown. So I was at your school, uh, Pat and Nate, and I was behind because I was in Vermont and I came to visit with my guys when Carlos Gracie Jr. came for the first time and I got my brown belt at your school. Uh, Jay gave me his brown belt to put on me because Roberto didn't have a brown belt because Jay's brown belt had like a red stripe. I'd never seen that before and and it never materialized (laughs) again. But yeah, that's the, that's the last time so I mostly got whipped at purple, and then after that, it was it, it seemed to be gone. You know what's interesting? You know who has that belt now? Is Danny Gallagher. Uh-huh. I think he wears it to this day because I think he's still a brown belt, but he wears that brown belt with the red stripe. I had never seen it either. I have no idea. Like, now I know. I'm like, oh, shit. 
I'm not sure if I should have put that belt on or not, but um, it was the only one like it I had ever seen. But I remember that day vividly. It was the, uh, there was a seminar and Marcio was there. It was the, in the old, on the top floor of the school. Um, I remember that Medina was there too. There's a picture of us. How, on that how many guys were there? Yeah. I think there's a picture from a nice picture from that day with us. That was fun. He told a lot of stories about the old days and he talked more than he taught the techniques, but it was actually cool. Um, that was a long time ago though. It was I, I remember that though. He, he, he talked for a long time and I remember, um, some of the younger guys being like, are we going to learn any jujitsu or what? Yeah. Afterwards. And I was like, that was awesome. Actually, Marcio came up to me. He says, I got, I got to talk to Carlinos and tell him to teach some more techniques. <laughs> you guys remember the, um, the next time Carlinos came and they were at Roberto's and we're all, we're all lined up and there's a lot of black belts there and we're all lined up on the wall. Like all the black belts are on one side and then the rest of the, everyone's all around the corner. And Carlinos is like, I, I, he's talking for a while, but he's like, to me, to be a black belt in jujitsu is not just what you do on the mat, but it's how you behave off the mat. You have to have a sense of integrity and pride. And every one of us is all looking at Jay. And, and he's like in the middle of his speech and Jay goes, what's everyone looking at? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> it's funny. I, it's funny, like uh, my like the my students at Port City, they probably a lot of them haven't seen or or heard a lot of those stories before. It's like when we get around you guys, you guys start telling ser- stories. They're like, "What? Like that's Jay? Like, and I'm like I don't know if that's really true. I think most people expect this kind of story, knowing you pretty well, Jay. Uh, I don't know, like. Paul, we were together with, uh, I think it was Medina, you, me, and maybe Mike Littlefield when I threw the metal knife across the street and almost hit a police cruiser. And then the, uh, this female cop gets out of the car and she's, and Mike Littlefield and I have no shirts on at this time. And he's like, and Mike was in trouble for something and didn't want them to run his license. And she's, like, giving us the rigmarole about why, like, you know, he's like, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, stay out of trouble. And I'm like, hey, we're going back to the hotel. We got, like, a ton of beers there. You should come. Mike's like, Jay, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I don't want him to run my license. Stop it. Stop it. I'm like, you should really come. Like, we got a couple 30 packs. It's going to be awesome. We have a pool. Mike's like, Jay, cut it up. Stop it. That kind of stuff. I don't, like, they don't know any of that stuff. Well, now they do. When I first the naked stories. I was shocked at first, but then as I heard more stories, I was like, oh, okay, all right. So now I've heard all the stories. And And (laughs) seen, and (laughs) seen. This this makes no sense, Jay. Were you like somehow able to like hide your personality from everybody else? This doesn't make any sense. How did you not know Jay? I think think the point is that he (laughs) thinks that he has hidden his personality, but I think everyone that trains with him knows what's going on. I've matured over the years, Brooksy. That's the truth. You know, people, people is, that, is that true, Pellegrino? Has he matured? No, dude. Come on. <laughs> Man, before, we were to, before we were like to, a trip anywhere, like if there's a Port City Mass BJJ trip, people are like, Oh, you're gonna like stay with Pal and Jay? I'm like, no, dude, don't stay in the same room with Pal and Jay. Like, what are you insane? <laughs> 
Hey, remember that time you tried to get us to go to like some seminar at like Studio 540? Mm-hmm. How bad did that hotel room smell? Dude, it was my kid still to this day is like, oh, that, those guys are so gross. That was Dude, Luis, was, Luis was losing his mind. He was like, are you guys coming or not? And Mike and I would be like, I don't know. Are you, Jay, are you going to go? I'm like, I don't know, pal. Like, I don't know. Like, or we could stay and be the pool. Like, all I want to know is if you guys are coming to the seminar or not. He's like, I don't know, pal. Are you going to go? Luis was so mad. That for an hour. That day. It was, uh, but Pat, that, that was the same, the year before that was when you gave me the, the talking to, pal. You're like, you got to stop. Like, I got, I got like teenagers, students here, like. You gotta pick. You gotta pick. You gotta stay in your lane. Like I, I like, gave right. that talk like a thousand times. <laughs> didn't work. Still didn't work. <laughs> Still didn't. Why not? You're the reason why Roberto installed doors on the changing rooms. <laughs> Andy, Andy started the uh, the the rash guard rule. Like and you the underwear like rule. The locker room without a, a rash guard. It's still my favorite rule to break at Mass BJJ. Wait, wait. Can you explain what's the what's with the rash guard rule? What, like, well, you have to wear a rash guard? Roberto made the rule that you couldn't come out of the locker room. know the new rules. I, I never knew the rules. No, Brooksy. He quit jiu-jitsu in, like, 2009. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he that's because I didn't like to wear the rash guard. It's actually not true. I like to wear the rash guard. Actually, I have a picture on my wall here. I only have one picture up on my wall. And Brooksy's got a T-shirt on. That's a he's wearing a T-shirt. That's no. that's that I borrowed it from Tony. <laughs> Look at that. Tony's T-shirts. It was probably before rash guards were invented, Mike. Tony Look how long Brooksy's uh, belt is. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of funny. That was the day we got our black belts, and Roberto handed me like. 17 meters of black belt <laughs> and I like wrapped it around three times and it's still hanging I remember like uh, between Fishman and Tony I'm not sure who looks more disheveled on a mat at any given time and I've seen them both recently I'm like has ne- like I know you know how to tie your belt and they're like yeah I just don't care like their t-shirt is all stretched out and it's hanging out below their gi top and one end of the ge- the belt is like six inches long, and the other end's like eighteen inches long, and it's like off to the side. I'm like, you got Mark, Mark still training? What's that? Is Fishman still training? I think he is. I think yeah. he kind of, last time I was in Boston, I saw him, and yeah. uh, uh, not the last time, the time before, and it was funny because Roberto wanted to take a picture with all of his black belts, and Fishman came for the seminar and kind of say hi, but wasn't going to train, and he put on his gi over his jeans and his dress shirt <laughs> and like tied, obviously tied the belt like crazy. Awesome. Like I was like, that looks like the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Dress socks, of course, which is a, like a fisherman special. <laughs> Nicest guy ever though. He would like hand you your ass over the course of a round. And then afterwards he'd be like, Oh, nice Jay. Nice job, Jay. Like you almost had me there. That was so good. And I'm like, Fishman, at what point did I almost have you? I was underneath your side mount for seven minutes. He's like, no, 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 you almost had me there. That was really, really good. I'm like, nicest guy, but like the worst side mount pressure ever. That's strong. Pat, how'd you end up at Roberto's? I was training with uh, a bunch of guys in Jamaica Plain, and um, Joe Best, actually, um, 
he was actually in the first place. Uh, he was probably like the first, I don't know, he, he got his uh, blue belt under Hickson because he trained at, um, at Mafi's and Hickson used to come out there a lot. And uh, I did other types of martial arts with Joe and he kind of said, you got to go to Hickson's seminar next time he comes out. So I went out and uh, so Joe, I remember him calling me up and said, I know I, I heard of this Brazilian guy that's in, in Watertown and uh, so I'm going to go check him out. And he did. And the next day, probably two days after that, we both went down there and uh, started training with him. So I always give credit to Joe. He, then he, it's funny, Joe, Joe was really good and he got his purple belt and then he, and he was older. I think I'm old. He was older. Um, but he was strong, he was smooth, and uh, he just said, you know, I'm getting beat up, and it was just too much on his body, and, and he quit. Uh, but he was the nicest guy, he was awesome, so uh, it wasn't for him. If I never met him, I would have never been there. But that's Where was, what was Roberto, well, did he have his own academy then? No, that's when he was renting it from the, from the guy that had the uh, American Karate School. How many people were training with him then? It was only like five guys there that, that I remember. Um, actually, Peter Macero was one of them. Uh, I haven't seen him, but he, he was there. Yeah. So, uh, and I get, at that time, uh, I, had, I had heard that Henzo had come out to visit Roberto. They hadn't seen each other in a long time. Um, so he had spent some time there, but I, but I missed that for some reason. Uh, but yeah, there's probably five, six guys at the most. Then maybe a year after that, it was like maybe 20 guys. And um, yeah, and that's when I actually first met Frankel. He, he came at that time. He was going to Harvard and him and Mike Wenzel came. <clears throat> and uh, we became pretty close training partners. And they, it was just really started taking off from there. I remember if, uh, you, you know, you were, you were still a new guy until you got invited to the Red Room. And you're like, oh, what's up? Yes, I was going to say that too. There, there was like this like uh, train that was going on in the back room for a while. Like, can you guys tell me what was going on back there? In the red room? You got back yeah. there and it was about all about getting your ass kicked. It's a lot of sweat and just hitting the walls, anything. You know, you know it was fun. It, it's funny, like, with everybody here, because, like, it really was a special time, I think, back then because there were so few jujitsu schools. I mean, there was really nothing in the area, right? And so all of us came and, you know, you talk about Joe Best said, you know, he really was good. And for someone like him to stop, training was tough. It was really hard. Um, and I think all of us, you know, when we jumped in there, you got your ass kicked and, but if you, you loved it and you just kept going and, um, it's funny because I think back to that red room and that was really hard training. That was, um, it, so for people, what he was bringing up was at the downstairs, Roberto had the main training area. And then um, there was a small room on the side and he, Roberto had that red, um, which I, I got so much crap for so many years. I don't know if you remember this, Pat, but we didn't know which way to put the canvas. And I was like, oh, it definitely goes this way. And then we figured out I had set it upside down for years when we were training in there. And, um, um, but it was just like the advanced guys in there training. And it's funny because I remember Roberto at one point was like, you got to stop doing this. 
because he's trying to teach classes and we're just rolling in the side room. I think back now when I'm running class, I'm like, what a pain in the ass I must have been. Like, just yeah, wanted to go inside yeah. and wrestle. And he actually built the Red Room because um, at that time, when the school got moved downstairs, you know, I remember us talking. I said, Roberto, man, we got to have we got to have a beginner's class because beginners would come in with all of us and, you know, they would just, people would get hurt. It was, you know, people weren't staying because it was just too hard of the training. Um, and that was the first time that, that there were actually two classes because um, before then there was just one class a night. Then Saturdays, it was the open mat, which was awesome. Um, but shortly after we moved downstairs, that's when I went to two classes. So he started building the red room so people could train, the advanced guys could train in that room while we had the other class going on. Um, so. so what? that's interesting. So what was, like for the red room, what, who was in there? Because I, when I remember like our classes, they, it was pretty much everybody. Like it was white to purple probably at the time that was in there. And it, it, did you guys have like a separate kind of like, Invited class in the red room, or like what was going on? Uh, I remember Pat, Doug Kalenda, Frankel, the Florian brothers, me, Matt Fletcher. Um, hey, who's that guy that eventually went with the Florians down to Brazil and got he came back and um, had developed a really good purple? Uh, he got his purple belt and he was doing a lot of butterfly guard. Oh, Brett, Brett, Brett. Brett. yeah, I don't think he got his. Yeah, he did get his purple belt there. Yeah, he trained. I think he ended up. At, he's out in Colorado. I think he's a. Yo, I think he's a yogi now, or like a yoga guy now. Uh, when we had the the downstate the downtown Portsmouth Academy, um, I was there Saturday teaching one day, and this guy come, walks in, sits down, and he's just watching class. And I, 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 we went back and forth a little bit. I was like, "Hey, man, like, what's going on?" He's like, "Oh, I'm just here on vacation. Like, I like I was walking down the street. I saw the jujitsu sign. I used to train a lot." And, uh, you know, just wanted to come in and watch us. That's cool. I'm like, yeah, of course, of course. And I go back to teaching class and I look, look over a couple of times. I'm like, God, this guy looks familiar. And uh, eventually, and I was like, are you Brett? And he was like, yeah, man. I'm like, oh, my God, I remember you from Boston back in the day. Blah, 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 blah. I think I was a white belt at the time. Um, but it was just, just a crazy small world scenario. Like, first of all, I don't know how Brett found his way to like my – tiny little academy in downtown Portsmouth, New Hampshire, when we had trained, he lives in Colorado and, you know, we came across each other training at Roberto's place, but just an amazingly small world. It's he, he was actually from New Hampshire, if I remember, because when we opened up the New yeah. Hampshire school, he used to help come out and teach with us. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Do yeah. you remember anyone else in the red room? Am I missing anyone, Pat? Didn't you guys cross train in that room too? Or is it just jujitsu in that room? Like doing MMA stuff? Yeah, I recall yeah. like some stories yeah. of MMA in there. I think yeah, if somebody, sure. it's like if if um, somebody was, I remember when Frankel was going to, he was going to fight. So that was typically what it was used for, just to go back and train really hard. If Kenny was doing a tournament or something, we just go back there and just do rounds, um, which was good for those guys. I really liked the uh, the upstairs school too, though. Like, I, I, you know, that was pretty, I think, I don't know, like we got... Pal, we got our purple belts after Pan Am's that year at Blue Belts, right? Is that when we got our purples? It was upstairs, not downstairs. Upstairs. We, we actually got Roberto belt tested us in the red room for our blue belts. I remember that. 
And Bernadette was in the class. Yeah, yeah. What like, was the belt test? There was like the sheet. I don't know if you guys have one at Port City, but just like a sheet of techniques. It was like two mount escapes, three arm locks, two sweeps, like random random stuff like that, and just just run through it. And it was. It's still it, kind of like what I would consider like an unwritten yeah techniques. You kind of have to have a good grasp on to get your good. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else here was uh, tested or at all, but that was like the first belt test. And then the last belt test, I wasn't te belt tested after that. And I don't know if we, if it just stopped doing it or, but I actually really like having to do the practice of going through the sheet and, you know, it actually, I, I thought it helped at that time. We had done, we did that sheet. I, I remember, uh, and we actually started making videos of all the techniques and um, Craig Baum was taping the videos, like we would do one section of it and that, that's kind of to what I remember from, that came out of that sheet. Then it just, uh, like you said, it went away after Purple Belt. I think we did Purple, was Purple Belt on that at the time too, the techniques? Was purple Belt syllabus, but it was more open to people's interpretation of like, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it was not as regimented as the Blue Belt one. I remember right. as, a, as, as a Blue Belt, like looking at that purple belt sheet, I was like, man, I don't have any of this stuff. It was a really long, it was a long syllabus for the purple belt. I remember that. It was like, it was like all the way down one page and there was another page to it, I think. Was right, right. It was, Do you guys have that at your school? Do you have a, uh, like a syllabus at your school in Portsmouth, Jay? I've, um, they only have three students. There's no testing. And they're all here. They're all three are really good. <laughs> all his students are right Mike here. <laughs> Mike Pellegrino is one of our students, really, though. Damn, dude, I am. I'm Port City. I'm I a great student. I, um, so I, 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 I read what I, what I would consider the Blue Belt syllabus, and it's something yeah. I'm putting up at the academy. And this is a recent thing that George and I talk about because I want to make sure that everyone has – something to look at to be like, Hey, where, you know, if you're a white belt and you're kind of losing faith a little bit in your development. And I think everyone goes through that at, at about six months, they feel like I'm not getting any better. I'm still getting my butt kicked all the time. I feel like I'm not learning. And it's like, well, you know, look at this list and like, you will so slowly see that you're going to start checking off all the things on this list. You are learning. It's just everyone you're training with is getting better too. And yep. it, it takes some time. So I, I, it's funny that we talk about this because I wrote it all out and I'm just uh, obviously not going to the academy right now, but it's something I really wanted to post. It's, a, it's more or less what I remember Roberto's list being like, you know, the real basic stuff. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a good way for, you know, white belts and early blue belts to gauge the progress. You know what I mean? I don't, yep. I, I don't think I would ever formally test anybody. Mm -hmm. but it's a good, do you know all this stuff test. The truth is there are no techniques at Port City, and it's pretty much just rolling. <laughs> Technique is a fairy tale. <laughs> it's a fairy tale. Just be tough. Just be tough. Just I, know, be tough. I know Patrick agrees. Patrick, you ran classes like that for a while where it was, like, really rolling heavy, right? Yep. Just roll. Absolutely. Train more. I think Train more. Like, <laughs> like, uh, pretty simple. I got a funny story about being tested. So I actually, when I was a white belt, was the only one, I think, at Port City who got a, a test, a real test. So Jay wasn't there. It was 
his other partner at the time who was there and I got failed. I got failed. Uh, I didn't get my blue belt for six months after because I um, got the names of the Camorra Americana confused because sometimes like the Americana can be called the paintbrush or the lock and key. There was like so many names for one technique and I, I didn't, I, I didn't get, uh, yeah, I got failed. I didn't pass. Yeah, that, that I wanted, I wanted to die. I didn't even know about that. Obviously, if you knew the technique, you knew the techniques, I would have given you your blue belt. I, yeah, I was uh, on the verge. That was rough. <laughs> but hey, look, I survived. I survived it. I grip, I grip my teeth on that one, and I wasn't going to go. Hey, was there, Nate, did you tell me, like, when Roberto gave you a blue belt, he was like, hey, you're a blue belt now, and you had to go to, like, some store and buy the belt? Yeah, I remember <laughs> we, I was on the back of the mat with Keith. Yeah, and he goes, he just walks up, he goes, congratulations, you have blue belt. And he looks at Kenny and Keith, goes in, congratulations, you guys are purple belts. And then he walks off. And I was like, what was that? And they were like, you just got promoted. I'm like, where the hell do we, we have to get our own belts? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, we're, we're going to go to Chinatown. You want to go? Yeah, so we went down to Chinatown to get our belts. It's it was better than how I got my purple belt, though. Is that where you guys would go, the Silky Way? <laughs> was it the I don't know if you're joking. That's, that's, the, no, that's the serious place. They sold it. I don't remember. Yeah. So I don't remember. Yeah. It was a mar- like a martial arts supply store. It was. Well, when, yeah, I got my, when I got my purple belt, there was this guy in class, and I can't remember his name, but he was a blue belt. But it, he, I could never tell if his belt was purple or blue. It was kind of that in-between. And one day, Roberto just stops class and goes, take your belt off. Take your belt off. Switch belts. Okay, that's better. And I'm like, are you, are you promoting me? Or and he's like, yeah, man. Like now, you know, he's a blue belt. And I'm like, this doesn't. I'm like, I'm back to Chinatown. So <laughs> wait a second, that's I'm, awesome. I got someone's blue belt that looked kind of purple. What the other guy that's say? Way of promoting. <laughs> wait, that's how you were promoting the purple belt? Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. That's so that's awesome. why Frankel gave me that purple belt because I'm like, this sucks. This is a blue belt that looks kind of purple, like, you know, and he's like, well, you know what? I just got my, my brown belt. So take this. So. Right, guys, it looks like the silky way is, uh, is still open. Is it? Is it I can't still believe a martial it, arts place? That's yeah. been there forever. Size joint. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what I thought you were going for. I got a Anybody question for all you guys. Like you can look it up. The silky way is a martial arts supply store. I got a question for you guys. This is what I was thinking. So everybody here, like, coming up through jiu-jitsu, you guys were the, the ones um, just, like, self-motivated. We're on the mat, like, all the time, Monday through Saturday, uh, just trained hard, hard, hard. Um, you know, do you think, like, in, in nowadays, you still see the same type of students, you know, that you were – whether you're teaching them now or from your school that just have the same drive that you guys all had um, because you guys all got your black belt and all became, you know, really good just because at least when I was there, when some of you guys were there, you just were, you were there all the time, training, 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 training. Uh, do you still see that and, and look at students and think about how you were and what you were training 
uh, and they're coming up, um, you know, from your schools? The one thing that I can say about that, and I'll open it up for everybody else, is, is that uh, the one thing I don't see is the camaraderie that we had as a group. You know what I mean? I, I don't think you'll ever see really like, you know, six or seven people get their black belts together anymore, but it, it made so much sense for us because we were on the, like you said, Pat, we we're on the mats all the time. And I, I think about that bond that we had then and we still have now. And it's the reason we're, you know, together tonight, kind of chit-chatting and reminiscing and all the years of how hard we used to train with each other. I remember Saturday afternoons, like the open mat, and we would just kick the shit out of each other. And it would be, and then it'd be like, oh, we're going to drill this, like, like I got you with this, or you got me with that. And it's like, we're going to drill that out for 45 minutes. And then, and it was just that camaraderie and that, that, that knit group of us. I, I think that that's going to be hard. I see a lot of tough people. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm at mass BJJ, like there's obviously really, really tough guys that are, you know, very technical and, and very tough. And, but that camaraderie piece, that's the piece mm-hmm. that, that I, I think was really unique about our group. And we're uh, pretty good at jujitsu too. Why do you guys think that happened? I got a thought on it. I think it's our teachers actually. Like we had a bunch of guys that were very competitive too. We had Florians, we had Nate, we had Frankel. Like all these guys were super competitive, but they were also like very willing to teach everyone too. So I think that's part of it. Yeah, there's like 10 of us that just happened to start around the same time. And I think every time we got on the mat, we were like, just trying to rip each other apart. But at the same time, we became really good friends, which is kind of interesting. Well, you know, this is going to go more to your point, um, Brooksy, but um, it's funny because I remember we went out to dinner. I think it was when Doug Kalenda got his black belt. And I, so Pat is, I think, you know, Pat's ahead of me. Like I consider like Pat, like that Pat's, you're kind of like in your own group in many ways, but also in the jujitsu way. But uh, my group was more like, I was with Kenny and Keith and John, I think more like that was kind of my group I came up with. And you guys were the group coming up after my group. And I remember, I mean, I know you guys, I trained with you guys all the time, but I remember like really noticing you guys as a group that day. I think it was when we were in um, right down the street from the Master J Arlington on in the Cambridge side. That, that place is gone, but we went and got dinner there for Doug getting his black belt. And it was Jacob. You remember Jacob? And um, he he's like, look at these guys. And it was all of you guys. And all of you guys were sitting down at one part of the table. And um, Medina is there. And he's like, those guys remind me of how you guys are like me, Kenny, Keith and Gary and Jacob would all hang out all the time like that. And he's like, that's when I first remember you guys as a group coming up. He's like, they have that that same thing where they train all the time and they're really good with each other. Like that's their group. And uh, I I always remember that moment kind of being like, huh, you're right. Like that's the next group of guys coming up. Like, so. Hey, did you guys see the pictures I put on my Facebook like a couple days ago? Yeah. Yeah. So like we, we all smiling, right? I think that was, that was caught. We were training for pants. I think at that time. Yeah, maybe. But, but the thing is like the <laughs> smile on our face, you know, you know what I'm talking about? 
it's just you know our, our training was super tough right but it was super fun too we just had a lot of fun you know so like you know that that's the reason like we we, we were like able to go through those tough trainings right like you know and if i if i go to some schools in new york it's either like really tough you know some schools are really tough but they don't have fun and other schools are just kind of like you know they, they, they get together and they're having fun but they don't train that hard you know i think we had like a really good combination of uh, you know like really tough training but at the same time like we are just having so much fun you know that's that's what i think about you know boston brazilian jiu-jitsu there's no place like this you know like we we have so much such a tough training but we are having always having fun you know and i think that's the only way like unless you have fun like you, you can't go through a tough training right if you're just if you're beating up your body like every day like it's it's not it's not good like people drop out but we are having always having fun you know i think that's really important you know and that's probably missing from a lot of schools i think nowadays you know people just don't don't have fun you know you just got to get naked sometimes yeah exactly you know <laughs> exactly yeah i think there was a different time back then though um None of us were training to get into the UFC. None of us, I, I didn't even think about being a black belt. It didn't cross my mind in the beginning. Like th there were no American black belts when I started. And I just wanted to learn this thing that was, it was like learning magic. Like no one else had it. And, um, and you know, I see people come in and they like day one, they're like, I want to be in the UFC or I want to win the world championships. And they kind of have this, like the reason for training, the carrot is uh, maybe a little bit different. I, I think for all of us going in there, I don't know what the reasons were, but it was just kind of people went in there and just got their ass kicked. Owens is really bored with this podcast at this point. I think his dog's way more interested <laughs> in what we're talking about. <laughs> I think I just want to say one more thing about that. I think the reason I ask it as well, because you, you'll probably relate to this. <clears throat> if you missed a day of training, it killed you, right? You just had that sense like somebody's learning something, somebody's getting ahead of me. And I don't know, I think for all you guys, at least, I don't know if there was a group after you guys that, that had the same camaraderie, but I know, you know, it was always the same talk. You know, you didn't want to, if you were hurt, you probably still train, you probably shouldn't, but you still train. But I think we all had the mindset was that, you know, if I'm not training, something's not going on, I don't feel good. Uh, you just needed to do it because it was in your blood. It, it, it stimulated, it released dopamine, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you just couldn't take a day off. We should have. We would probably been a lot healthier if we did. Um, I think that that's <clears throat> when, when I had – got involved with Team Elite, with Keith Raquel and Doug, like that stimulus of that training was, was intense. You know, then you meet a whole new crop of people, you know, and like Mike Brown and those guys. And, you know, it just became like, it, it was an addiction, but you just couldn't stop training. I know I'm looking at all you guys. I know every single one of you guys would think in the same way. I think what Nate, Nate was saying, you know, it was definitely like a, a unique time, right? Which I don't know that you could even have a school like we did today, right? Because Jiu-Jitsu really wasn't a business then, like it is now. Not that having a business is a bad thing, but like, you know, if you want to have students and make a living, you can't just like 
for people in the deep end, right? Like those classes, when we first started, it was like all levels, crazy training. I remember coming in and I don't know if it was Pat, it was like you and Doug would roll, right? I don't know if it was before or after, but it was like Thor versus Hulk. And I'm just like watching these two guys. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't get paired up with Doug tonight and get murdered. But you guys would just roll for like 40 minutes straight, right? Um, you know, uh, when Kenny and Keith used to teach classes too, lots of training. I remember one night they decided to do the lion's den uh, rolls. So it was like only footbox. And I think we lost like three students that night, right? People were just like <laughs> limping out of there. Um, and Frankel's, uh, he used to teach uh, like a Friday night MMA class at the old location. So like nightmares of that class with his, uh, like Jay was saying, he had the, or I think uh, Owens, he had the hunter spandex shorts and he would like, he'd love to like get high mount on you. With <laughs> just like make <laughs> you submit from just uh, the white ones, uh, yeah, <laughs> those white hunter shorts. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I mean, it was definitely like sink or swim, you know. And it, I think his dad was uh, saying it was it was fun though, right? You know, everyone and the Pan Ams kind of came around and that gave us all a good and all the local tournaments gave us like really good motivation uh, and then to push each other to get better. So having the guys around, I think you probably still have a lot of the the same guys. You just can't really run all your schools the same way these days, right? And still have a, um, you know, I think Roberto was probably at six, right? because of us, he was stuck at like 60 students for like 10 years, right? Where I think once they started having a more formal curriculum and you had the white belt classes and technique, you could. Uh, Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I think. Sorry. Sorry, did you say something, Michael? No. I was the most behaved student. I always was on time. I never behaved. Jay is very misbehaving and not a very good student. I'm just going to say that right now. Why am I a bad student? Because you don't wear pants. That's one reason. Sometimes don't I pants don't right wear now. pants. There's no pants. <laughs> Ask Fishman what he thought about uh, some of those Pan Am trips. <laughs> There's, <laughs> There's a picture of that, I think, too, somewhere. Yeah, there it's is. funny, like. I get scared, like Paggs was talking about it. He's got like, he's like, oh, I got a ton of video and pictures from the old days. I know Craig does. Um, it's when, when things get photo documented, that's when I get nervous. <laughs> like, oh, Jay, I got some pictures of you and the Pan Ams when we were purple belts the night after we competed. I'm like, oh, shit. And listen, as people from a different generation, I'm sure George and I would be happy to take all of that footage and, you know, organize it, make it look good for you, whatever you guys need. You know, we're happy. So if you have that, that kind of footage, feel free to pass it over to me or to George. We'll take care of it. We'll take Maggie. care of it. That's so back again. Can you do a screen share on these podcasts? This, this was yeah. one of those, uh, the time. Do you have the video, Pags, of you throwing Pell over your head? Well, yeah, maybe, yeah, that was like the, that was the highlight of my jiu-jitsu career. I think that was the year I won uh, silver or purple belt, but I still beating Jay and Pell simultaneously and then suplexing Pellegrino. Uh, yeah, into the it, was, it was Pell and I against Pags. Yeah, you fucked me over on that one, too. Who are you I, talking to? Crazy Jay? Do you do you have that video on your on your laptop? How do you do a maybe? How do you do a screen share on this? You can you so can go to the bottom of the screen. It says uh, share screen. Pens then share screen. Share screen. Telegram uh, is left. You want them? Guys, don't play it, Peg. Share some of those photoshopped uh, photos that you were using. Like, with oh Jake. my god, this is gonna be bad. If uh, you yeah, want to, 
Danny, Danny Gallagher did your uh, Thelma and Louise road trip up the West Coast. That's true. Me, me and Danny Gallagher drove up the PCH in a white Mitsubishi convertible Eclipse. Holding hands. Uh, it, it, if the if the share doesn't work, you can send me the file and I'll 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 edit it in when it when it is. But yeah, you can try to put it up. Just hit share screen. If it has audio, make sure you hit use computer audio. You try it. You want to try it? You're about to shut the podcast down, right? Oh, pretty much. This is gonna go down quickly. I break, there's there's some weird pictures of Pell and I in this somewhere too. <laughs> when we were walking around uh, Santa Barbara. We just changed the rating of this podcast, by the way. It was PG. It was never PG. Maybe PG thirteen. No, maybe no, it wasn't. No, it never what was. was it? What was no, it? It actually has a, a content warning at the beginning. <laughs> nice. Jay yeah. brought this podcast Jay, down at the start. Episode one. <laughs> Episode one. <laughs> I took any kind of class this podcast. Tags. Tags. Have and Tags. It down the toilet. Tags. Click the X, dude. Click the X. Good <laughs> fucking with those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Peg, shut it down. Shut it down. Peg, shut it down. Hey. <laughs> Nate, what was it about Roberto that, that well, made you stay with him? Like that, uh, that, if that you could, you to him? If you could do the share, go ahead and do it at any time. I'll, I'll edit it back in. Bad idea, Pegs. <laughs> All right. Boy. Looks like a share is coming in, people. <laughs> <laughs> Is that playing? It's hard to see. It's like Borat. Let's see from Borat. <laughs> what happened there? Do another one. Go, ready? Ready? Go. Hey, do you need help? Help. I was an excellent Toriana by my saying. Things get interesting.
literally over on that one. Literally, he picked Pell off the floor and threw him over his head onto the bed. I know the video quality was a little tough because these old Valley Tudo fights sometimes they're a little grainy. <laughs> literally threw him over his head. It was one of the it, that video was like famous at this point. But. That's why that's why Pags is the bully. Hell, you were like a buck twenty back then, though, right? You were like you were like nineteen. Yeah, exactly, Brooksy. I was cutting weight. I was nineteen. Pags is on the juice. He's jacked. <laughs> wow, taking horse wow. steroids. Yeah, poor teamwork. Poor teamwork hey, in that Jay. one. I'm not. I, actually, I forgot about that, Jay. You totally fucked me over oh, when you just let on that. That was his plan. Max <laughs> and I were talking. I'm like, I'm gonna let go. You're gonna get up. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like three, two, one. I'm sorry. I know you haven't forgiven me. It's like 15 years ago, though. I remember that. Uh, I think it was the same year we went to Gracie Baja America, Carlinos' school, and uh, you know they were very formal. It was like you're supposed to, you know, bow before you come on the mat, keep your gi on. You don't ask black belts to roll if they're above you in rank and. I think like we went in there, like everyone's got their shirts off from our school and we were swearing and like asking all their higher black belts to roll with us and, <laughs> and like <laughs> stares from everybody. And Roberto, I'm sure I got an earful from Carlinos. Yeah, this explains a lot. Cause like, I think at some point we actually uh, started like those rules were actually more or less uh, prescribed for the Academy, right? Like you had to bow for a little while, yeah, which it wasn't. It wasn't before that, like ne- never before do we have to do that. Yeah, I was never like a huge fan of like too, too many rules, but I know that I needed some. My parents would tell you that at that time I needed some structure in my life, so it wasn't a bad thing. Let me just talk about rules with Jay. Jay used to teach at Mass BJJ a long time ago on Saturday mornings. And yeah. one Saturday I got a phone call from Jimmy. Nate, Nate, I, I'm not, I don't want to be a tattletale, but Jay wasn't wearing underwear today and his pants came down. And then right as he's talking, I see Jay's calling. I, Hold on, Jimmy. I click over. Nate, I know you're probably going to hear it from someone. And I would never do it on purpose, but I just I didn't have any underwear. And I would never do it on purpose, but my, my pants kind of fell down while I was teaching today. And people may have seen something. Yeah, Jay already heard already. <laughs> so we, we have the you have to wear underwear rule at the school. You know, never had to make it as a rule. about that. You know, Jimmy Quinlan should have been, a, you know, he was in the club at the time. And the, like, the betrayal is just amazing. Oh, first to call every time you did something bad. He would call every time. He did. It's <laughs> like the thing about Jimmy is that he doesn't like anything unexpected. And he doesn't like, you know, he doesn't like anything disgusting. He doesn't like, you know, he's like super tough guy, fought the UFC, awesome wrestler, like gifted jujitsu. He doesn't like. He doesn't like when Jay pulls his junk out when we're in public and makes him look at it. And he's like, Jay, that, there are kids over there. That's illegal. Like you, you can go to jail doing that. And Jay just <laughs>, laughs and does it again. Jimmy gets mad. Jimmy doesn't like at the, at the pub, like after training, you're like, hey, check out this thing in the menu. And you had your junk in the menu below the table. You mean every time we went <laughs> to eat? For life, still. Yeah. I did somebody at Port City, like at some point, like I, I think it was Gary, we were outside 
and I had the, it was, uh, you know, the middle of the winter. So it was dark outside. So I had my flashlight on on my phone and I was like, oh my God, dude, what's wrong with my phone? And he looks down at my phone and he's like, oh, oh God. <laughs> How old are I, you, Jay? 17. <laughs> but I, feel like, I feel like I'm 50. I don't understand how you could train commando. That this it wasn't on purpose. Do you, what do you mean it wasn't on purpose? A really amazing story about this. Like it happens probably a couple times a year when I will forget like some kind of like a sunga or like you know, like some compression shorts to wear underneath my gi. Every now and then I make this mistake. But we had Tom to blast up for a seminar. And like I had, I'm like, shit, I can't find my sunga. So I like, and I had the old school black sprawl shorts with the splits on the side. And I'm like, man, this is not going to be good. And I'm like, but it's cool. Like, you know what I mean? I'll train, I'll train some of the techniques and like, I'll, it'll be fine. And um, right away, he's like, I'll use you for the day. And I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be. <laughs> and so we went through the whole first session. And every time he's teaching a technique, I'm like pulling my shorts down to make sure that, you know, uh, and like right at the break, I'm like, does anybody have a spare pair of shorts? And everyone's like, no, no, no. Amanda goes, yes. And I'm like, what do you have? She's like, well, you know, they're mine, but like, you're welcome to use them. And they were like hot pink spandex, but I was like, I'll take them. And like, it was the funniest thing. It's a story we tell to this day, but like Amanda saved my life that day. I was, Jay wore my wife's underwear, dude. dude for it's the it's, it's even wore. better than that. So dude, even I could almost see that Jay's like exposing himself. It was super, super close. And I was like, so when he asked, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. But I was wearing them. I had, <laughs> a, I had a pair of underwear on and then I had two pair of um, compression shorts. So I gave him like, the most outer layer of compression shorts and I gave it to him and crazy enough. I still wear them. I have them right over there. They were very comfortable and I'm very thankful. I'm sure that the people Burn watching them. would love to see Burn them them. if you actually do have them, Amanda. But you don't have to go get them if oh, you can't find go them. Get, yeah, go get the shorts. Yeah. So I, I guarantee you there is nobody else here on this call that has a story remotely like that. That is completely Jay. That's Jay. I've always... <laughs> The funny thing is, is I got like 10 stories like that about Jay. I think they were, oh, yeah, these. They they were these ones, Jay. That was them. My my wife weighs 115 <laughs> pounds and is like five foot two. I'm literally double that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Nice. You can stretch them out I'm gonna too change, bad. I'm going to change the subject. Good idea. Good luck with that, Paz. You had asked Nate uh, uh, a few minutes ago. You were like, "Hey, why do you what, like? Why did you go to Boston and, and feel like that's the place for you? And why did you stay?" I think you asked that question, right? Yeah. Um, like, I'll give you a, like a, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast might not know Roberto. Like, you know, he's kind of like found his way into if you're a jujitsu guy, especially if you're an old schooler. Like, you ask John Jock, you ask, you know, you name it. They, they know who Roberto's, who Roberto is and you know what I mean? He's got it, you know, like really like high level guys all know who Roberto is. But for me, the thing was like, obviously the training and, the, and everything was amazing. And like, you know, his instruction was amazing and he was like really high level guy and he had, he just, 
knew his base of knowledge was so great. But the thing was, is that Roberto would all like literally give you the shirt off of his back if he could help you in any way. And there was a time I lost my license and I couldn't drive. And I was actually riding my, my bike from my house to the train station in Ipswich. And I would come down to North station and I'd ride my bike from North station to the Academy to train. And, uh, Roberto told me, he's like, Oh, your card bounced. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Roberto. Like the, things are really, really tight right now. I can't get to work. And he's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to shut your card off and you train and you tell me when it, when to turn it back on. And it was the next class. So here I am, he's letting me train and I'm not paying because he knows the times are tough for me, which I appreciate to this day. Because at that time, those were some of the toughest times I've had in my life. And I needed jujitsu and I needed to be on the mat. And it was like a week later, we're training. And I was like, and he had, and I still have the gi. Um, it was an old Machado gi. It was like the, the old school ones. I remember they changed kind of their design and they didn't fit as good. And it was one of those hybrid weave Machado gis they had. And I'm like, oh man, Roberto, that gi is amazing. Like, where did you get that? Do you know where I could get a gi like that? And he said to me, he goes, hey man, you like this gi? He took it off and he goes, you can have this gi. Just gave it to me. Like literally in jujitsu, in a jujitsu way, gave me the shirt off of his back. And that was, you know, I don't, I don't say that's specifically the one reason like that, that, that experience, but that is my entire relationship with Roberto is that he would give anybody the shirt off of his back and, and nothing was more meaningful than like, you know, having his students be happy and training. And, and, uh, and that is the reason why I would never, ever leave Roberto is because he was just so selfless in what he gave, not, not only in the training, but whatever we needed, he would respond with. And to me, that's something that I, I spend the rest of my life trying to repay to him and, and let him know how thankful I am for what he gave to me. You know what I mean? So for me, that's that I, it would never even cross my mind to train under anybody else but him. Yeah. You know, I'll follow that just off of that same thing point where I didn't have any money. Um, said, go ahead. You know, same thing. Let me train. Uh, I think I started teaching Doug's kids and we started doing kids classes at that point. Um, so he's like, yeah, you can teach the kids classes and uh, we'll start doing that. So, but uh, I didn't, I used to have my friends drop me off cause I didn't have a car back then. And then he would, and I trained every night. I was down there, you know, Monday through Saturday and uh, he'd drive me home. And it was the complete other way from his house, but he'd drive me back and uh, take me back into the city and uh, then go back out to where he lived. And he did that every night. Uh, make Same thing. I, a million other places you could have gone. And I look back and think, um, you know, for what you asked uh, before, I, I always, it's funny, another little thing. I remember when I first started training with him, we went into the Arsenal Mall to eat after the noon class once, and he opened the door, and this guy kind of walked through and bumped him. And people that might see Roberto now, you know, like a normal guy, if you guys remember back, like Pat, you remember, like he was jacked when I first came in. He was a little scary when I first came to the school. I remember him with the tank top, and he was just all muscle. You guys were up and lifting up at the powerhouse gym. And this guy, like, walked right through him, you know, bumped his shoulder into him. And he was talking to me and he didn't even lose a beat. He just didn't even look at it, kept talking to me. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the toughest guy I know. And he could have mauled that person. 
and didn't even register. You know, he was just such a kind, he is such a kind person. And um, I, I really, I always feel very grateful that I, that I walked through those doors and got the jujitsu that I got, but also had a, a really good, kind, giving person as a role model to, to see that jujitsu wasn't just being tough, you know, and the, the macho side of it as well. That kindness side was very important. Now I'll piggyback on what Nate said. I mean, when I stopped, I, you know, I was in Vermont for a while. <coughs> I, I, I'll relay a funny story too, since Nate brought up Brett and Jay brought up Brett. Um, I went up to Vermont and I, you know, there was a, a fourth degree black belt up there at the time, you know, pretty high ranking guy named Julia Fernandez. And, you know, I, I went up there for graduate school. My wife at the time was up there for graduate school too. And, um, you know, I just figured I wouldn't really miss a beat after training with the, with all these guys. And I get up there and train with that group and all this stuff. So I called them and, you know, I said, Hey, I'm going to come train with you guys if that's cool. And I didn't get a call back, you know? So I was like, eh, well, you know, maybe it's just, you know, how things go. I'll just show up. So I showed up like on a Saturday morning, you know, to the class and he's like, Hey man, you can't train here. I was like, okay, why? And, uh, it was because of, Brett. Brett had gone up there before, I guess, the year before, and he was like a blue belt. And he, you know, he was a bit of a prodigy. So I guess he kind of, you know, took those guys to task when he was up there, and you know, and, and he was like, Julio was like, you're not a blue belt, man. Like, you know, you come up here and, you know, whatever sandbag term it was back then, and you beat my guys and you're not a blue belt. So he kicked Brett out. So I guess it kind of tarnished his uh, idea of the Boston BJJ, you know, student. So when I got up there, I was like, oh, why can't I train? And he's like, oh, I take, you know, I show you stuff and you take it back to your school and you you show your students and then they come up and beat me and all this stuff. I was, you know, it blew my mind. A very old school mentality of training. So, you know, inspired me to kind of, you know, jujitsu is what it is. It doesn't really leave your blood system if it's in there you know i was like oh, i'll snowboard i'll i'll do yoga you know I'll, you know i'll forget about jujitsu so maybe it's not whatever but it burns you know and you got to figure out how to get it going again so i started doing it at the university my brother was there and i had some judo guys coming in and you know we eventually turned into a club and it was good because i wasn't really worried about making money off it and we just you know kicked the shit out of each other for four years and it was, it was fun. I could bring them down to Boston and Roberto was all, was always super welcoming to them. And, and, you know, when I said, Hey, you know, this guy's a blue belt, Roberto, no problem ever giving them the blue belt. I didn't, you know, I was a purple belt at the time. I didn't really want to stow rank or anything like that. So Roberto come up, I would go down see you guys come back up and, you know, Vermont is what it is. You know, it's small. I was, I was anxious to get out of there. And when I got back down, Roberto was like, you know, Hey man, you can come work here. And, you know, he paid me, you know, for a lot of years to work in the Academy. And I mean, when I say work, it was like going to lunch at Cafe Bello. That was like the most work that we did during the day. <laughs> so, you know, he was just, he's always been like Jay says, generous to a fault. And, you know, he, and I, you know, I was actually pretty proud of myself because I worked for him. I didn't get kicked out of the academy, so that was pretty good too. But uh, yeah, I mean, just you know, I, we all go through through some hard times. You know, I got divorced. 
And I had kind of been in and out of the academy at that point. Man, I just started spending like every single night there after that. And it was just, you know, I always think about jujitsu kind of being there for you. And Roberto was always there for me, whether he was there or not. You know, the door was open. That was always a place that I could go instead of the bar. <laughs> George, you really got to get Roberto to, to close the loop and all the history that you've been doing because I think it's awesome. You kind of building it up and kind of got all angles and you hear all the stories and stuff, but, uh, I need you to talk to him, Pat. <laughs> did you ask him? I did. And then he, and he said, uh, he said, every time I've talked to him about it, he's like, yeah, well, let's do it. And then, uh, and then like when it comes time to do it, like we never really get it done. But I yeah. feel like if you, you and Nate, like, if we maybe you and Nate and and Roberto together, like maybe we can make it happen. Hey, you know what would be a cool a cool one is if we if we set up a podcast and you and Nate can kind of do the interviewing of Roberto. You know what yeah. I mean? Really cool. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think it's been a long time coming, and I think you just need to set it up right. But it's not like we're all doing anything important lately. So. <laughs> I think to do it in person and him, he'll, he'll definitely do it. I mean, I think he's so proud. I mean, he, um, everybody here's family to him. That's how he looks at it. Um, so I think that, uh, the angle is, is that, you know, people would want to hear from him and just, just him coming over here and getting started and, you know, even thinking about whether he was going to do to teach jujitsu or not, you know, because he was, he's proud of it and he wanted to really, um, every student that he had, you know, he wanted to take care of. So I think uh, you get a lot of listeners for that, and it'll, it'll go pretty wide if you get him on. Um, so. He was over here for a while before he started teaching jujitsu, right? Yep, yep. So, um, yeah, and I think I think you know he'll tell the story. I don't want right. to. I remember him talking about that and stuff, and how he started to, to get back to teaching and stuff. And that's, that's actually pretty cool. Um, but I always thought, you know, I listened to your podcast and say, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get Roberto on because it would just be great. So. I'll hit him up again for sure. Yeah. It really would close the loop. To yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think you got everybody except for him. I mean, it's. You know, and John Frankel. Yeah. You John, need Frankel. Yeah, John too. Yep. 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 We'll get that one done. That one will be. That's another one that'll get super weird. When did Franco <laughs> get his black belt? After you, Pat, and between Pat and I, yeah, yeah. Because Pat, you were number one, right? Yep. John Frank got it. John got it when we went. Pat is definitely Fantastic. number one. You guys know <laughs> who's number one? It's Pat. Nate knows it. No, I don't know it. It's Pat. Pat is number Nina. one. Pat is no. Pat could be number one. <laughs> Pat, Pell, what do you think? Who's number one? Tadashi. Yeah, he thinks Tad is. I think I think Medina. Yeah, it's it has to be Medina. It's not me. You know, oh, I'm here, you know, but I show it. <laughs> Medina Medina doesn't show it. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I'm with about? you. You know who I think is really is is number one is Todd O'Brien. Todd <laughs> was a really weird dude. Is a really weird dude. A, a great guy. Like I saw him, uh, Nate, when we did uh, when you did Roberto's promotion, and uh, and I talked to him. Then I'm like, still weird, still weird. I think Todd O'Brien is number one. 
Medina's number two. <laughs> You're number one, Jay. <laughs> I keep my pants on these days. I'm like, I'm falling in rank. How many times I walk into the locker room, you're wearing like a, sh- a, no- a no-sleeve rash guard and nothing else. <laughs> I, it's funny because I, I, I'm down in, uh, like I do a lot of training with Nate too. And what, Sorry, Nate. Look, it's, it's, it's easier if you're going to put the gi on or take the gi off, like take all your clothes off and then start dressing again. I don't understand why that's weird, but the guys in the locker room don't seem to like it. How you're not living in a nudist colony Let me just tell you. Is, is not, you know. It's so taking me years. Reality. Yet. This is where I know I'm not a smart person. How many years I'll be outside the locker room and I hear, hey, Nate, do you think this is ringworm? And then I walk in the locker room and he's bent over with his butt cheeks spread open. Like, <laughs> I don't go in the locker room anymore. <laughs> All right, we got on a serious topic, right? Well, Jay, you glad and you we digress. Zoom conference. You guys remember the Maalox Max year? I had like super bad heartburn. I was taking Maalox Max. We had to stop the car like every 30 seconds. That was bad. That should be taken off the market. That's like a super diuretic. I feel like that's kind of a distraction from the, uh, from the main subject here, which was whether or not it was ringworm or not. But please continue. I'm done with that one. I just don't go in the locker room when he's in there changing anymore. Like I said, it's a process, right? Like I just feel like it's easier to get it done that way. How did Roberto come up with Jay's underwear? (laughs) How did Roberto put up with Jay and Pal at the same time? I'm a good student. What are you talking about? I'm never he fired you after he looked at the security cameras and you were running around naked in the academy. And I, I had to fire you. in the leg lock that night. And then that was it. <laughs> Wait a second. I've never even heard this story oh, before. Oh. What is the story? Mass BJJ Arlington is born. Or, yeah. <laughs> when Roberto's looking at the security cameras and he's calling me and he's like, Hey, man, Mike is running around the academy in his underpants. Didn't you tell him not to leave the locker room and in the rash guard? I was like, oh, my God. That's your fault, then. I was and a the poor man. set you free. My, my stupid friends hiring them to teach class. <laughs> Maybe now's a good time to bring up the story, too, that uh, we, I've talked to both of you guys about this separately, but – Pat rolling in his underwear. Oh, yeah. We, talk, we talked about that one already. <laughs> you want to know the truth? Who, who do you believe, Pat or me? I'm going to go with Pat on this one. <laughs> I don't know. I like Nate's story. I didn't like it. I'm not saying it because I liked it. I didn't want to roll with him in his underwear. <laughs> they weren't underwear. They were he came, shorts. You, he would... We'd be in his basement. I would get there early, and he'd come from work, and he'd have his shirt and his tie on and his work pants, and he'd just take his work pants off and have the shirt, the undershirt. And I'm like, that's the underwear you wore all day and sweated in. He's like, it's just like Valley Tudo shorts. It's just like Valley Tudo. And I don't know if you guys know Pat, but, like, when he wants to pick his stubborn line, and he's like, come on, let's roll. Come on, let's roll. I'm not rolling with you. Come on, let's roll. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, when does his foot his finger up like that? <laughs> come on, come on, let's go, let's Number go. One. 
Come on. <laughs> you eventually did roll, Nate, though. No, I did not. You went up and stuck <laughs> your Valley Tudo shorts on, which were just as short as your underwear, which is fine. We all kind of had those back in the day. You're like, see, no different. But you hadn't been sitting there sweating in them all day. You guys remember doing Royal Rumbles in the Academy? I remember everyone getting hurt. Yeah, it was brutal. You mean like uh, Battle on the Beach is what they called it, right? Yeah. Battle on the Beach. We don't be trying to do stuff like that. Whoever didn't get submitted last guy's Yeah. Pags did the same thing Kenny used to do. He'd just run around grabbing feet and be like, crank, tap, crank, tap. He'd see people training with other people. He'd just go and footlock him and be like, you're out. Footlock, you're out. It's a good strategy, actually, now that I look back on it. I remember, Pat, I remember being on the other team from you, and we had, like, one person was trying to armbar one of your arms, another with the other one, and two people were on your legs. And I, I still remember, you put up a pretty good fight with five people on you. And I, <laughs> I want to be on his team next time. Do you guys remember the, uh, the night we slept on the mats in the academy? And then we woke, we kind of woke up and Saturday class was coming in and be like, all right, put the Do you remember what happened the next morning? T- Tad passed out on the bench. We all passed out on the mats and um, Pollyanna came in and screamed. And that's what woke me up. And I was like, what, what? Like, and she's like, I thought you guys were all dead. And uh, <laughs> like, uh, we just went out a little late and came back and passed out on the mat. Sorry. But I remember her coming in screaming. And I remember you, know, you guys remember the night the, the the police guy? You know, you know, you know the guy, the police officer Rob. used to train. Rob, Rob, yeah, they took us to the club. Remember? Yeah, yeah, we could, you could, were escorted. Could, could someone yeah. tell this story so that we understand what you're talking about? I'll tell you what I remember. I remember Medina drank too much and. Pell had no money. He was in college, I think, at the time. And he kept going, Nate, this is great. I keep telling Medina I don't need money to buy drinks. And he gives me like 50 bucks at a time and I keep the rest. <laughs> <laughs> wow, is that true? Wow. Wow. An Ikaro. <laughs> and Ikaro. I made a lot of money. Ikaro off. just like, like used him for his money forever. <laughs> <laughs> I think at that time <laughs> of, of our little class, I think Medina was the only one that was making any money at the time, too. I think I was getting, I, like, at that point in time, I think I was I was working for Kraft and, like, like bike gear and Nordic ski, like, long underwear and stuff like that. It's a great job to have when I was a kid, but there was no money. Medina had money. He was, he was doing, he was, I think he was... Is he a lifer with Hancock? Is that what he he's done? He was for with Manulife. Yeah, when you met him, he was working for Hancock Manulife, and he's still there. Yeah, what's That's his full name, just for the record? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a picture Steven of him. Medina. <laughs> you have an email address? An email address, social security, phone number. So the first time I met Medina, he we were at Pans and we were warming up in the grass out behind the the vent place and and I had never met him and he's like helping me warm up. I was like, man, this guy is super nice. I didn't know his name or anything. And then uh, and then you guys started telling me stories. I was like, oh. And then I saw him compete, 
and the dude goes out. Everybody else has the smallest gi you could ever fit into. His pants are like eight inches too long. They're hanging off his feet, and he's out there foot sweeping dudes. Medina was that. Uh, I was always the shortest pants he could get. Oh man! Because he would when he would compete. He was the guy that his level would go up two levels when he would go and compete yeah. for what he was at the academy versus a lot of us when we would compete, like we wouldn't be maybe as sharp as we would be in the academy as comfortable, you know what I mean, to kind of let the game go. Medina would go up two levels. And so you'd see him compete and he would, he would beat some really good guys just because his, his intensity and his focus when he'd go and compete was like super, super high. I remember always being jealous of that with Medina. He was always ready to go. And he's, he's in the super heavyweight division, but he's like 5'4", 215. These guys have never seen another person like that before. They didn't know what to do with him. He's too like low <laughs> Jay, isn't this uh, – when we were out of Pez, didn't he, didn't he like break his leg off or something and then continue? The cow- you mean the cowardly tie kick? I don't – go ahead. Let me try to find a picture of Medina, his bell-bottom uh, gi pants for the <laughs> 2016 tournament. Are you are you talking about when he got hurt and kept competing? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I think that ended up being a pretty significant knee injury that he got. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't. It wasn't like you know he wrenched something and toughed it out. It was really bad. He won that fight, and he won the next one too. After that, that's what I'm talking about. He just kept on straight through. I remember, you know. There's this one uh, one time I got him with what is now known as the cowardly tie kick, the CTK. We were like, you know, hitting each other kind of through like, and we were walking out of the hotel. I think we were purple belts at the time, and I kicked him in the leg, and got him real good. And he like for the rest of that trip, he was limping, and that will always be known as the CTK, the cowardly. He, he couldn't even drive. And I found that picture. Look, the bell bottoms. That is something. That is his gi pants are touching the ground. Look at the length of the skirt of the walking on him. Perfect dress pants. Yeah, I think he had those hemmed too. <laughs> I think it was a serious gi. Remember that gi? I remember that. Yeah, gi that's a kid's gi. He Roberto gave us those gis if you remember. Jake, you're I have that gi around somewhere. I still have it. But, man, those trips are like – I'm surprised sometimes that I survived them. I remember you and Pell getting in a fight on – was it Hermosa Beach we went down to? Was that where you guys kept hitting each other? And then it turned into a real fight, and you're just – it was real – wherever the, the little boardwalk goes by the ocean, we're walking down there, and you kept hitting each other. And then finally you just – on the grass you started fighting. I just remember the rest of us just watched you fight. I must have won. I won that. I definitely won. And all the fights in my apartment when I lived with Gary. Remember those? <laughs> we, there was one, the, in the same night, Pell and I got in a fight with motorcycle helmets on. Yeah. Yeah. You stuck the motorcycle helmets on. You stuck a motorcycle helmet on and goes, you go, Pell, Pell, punch me in the face. And he <laughs> reared back and just, and then you, you go, boom. You're like, what the fuck, Pellegrino? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> And then I think you ended up mounted on him. You both were drinking a lot. And Pell had a bad shoulder. You remember this? Was it your shoulder, Pell? You messed Probably. up? 
everything's always. And I remember like, like you would looked over and you were going to like arm bar. I'm like, don't, not his arm, not his arm. And uh, you took some shoes on the ground and started hitting him in the face with your shoe. And <laughs> Pell started uppercutting you because you're really high up in mountain. He's uppercutting you in the butt as hard as he can. And I just remember you going, like, I don't know why you were saying it, but you're hitting him in the face with these shoes going, nonsense, Pellegrino, nonsense. <laughs> so it, it ends. We pull you guys off. But the next morning, everyone kind of passed out in that apartment somewhere. And the next morning, you wake up and you're like, why does my ass cheek hurt so bad? I, my right butt cheek hurt so bad. <laughs> right where Pell was punching you the whole time. I, I do remember that, uh, and I feel like, like I, I don't think that I've aged that much. Like sometimes I sleep wrong. Look at that. That's not me. Uh, There's Pell and Jay. Every time I hang out with them, when they're I have I have one of you and Medina Pell doing that. <laughs> it's my thing. It's Daiquiri Day. <laughs> it's the best day of the year. Is Daiquiri Day? Day after we compete. Uh, didn't happen this year. That's why you're oh. twenty seven. Oh, so what are you guys doing? Hold on, George, you got to talk while you're doing it so we can see it. If you talk, it'll come up. Those are great. There I am. There there they are. Drinking the daiquiris. This might have been the day right before I went to Studio 540 and you two clowns were drinking each other's daiquiris. (laughs) We have to celebrate. Right. No seminar is going to come between Mike and I and daiquiri day. And I whipped his ass in uh, chess all day. He didn't win once. It's not true. I bet you I could, I could download the application we were playing on again and find my marvelous and undisputed record. How about, how about this for the Monday after the tournament? Me and Jay in a hot tub playing chess on our phones, drinking daiquiris all day long. We probably had 14 each. Each. And we would just... Order four at a time. Right. The, I remember the bartender was like, do you want me to just start bringing them down to you? And we're like, yes. Just start bringing them down to me. Like, bring four every 20 minutes. I don't believe that story, Pellegrino. Was it, yeah, chess, was. Was it chess or checkers? Chess, bro. I went <laughs> to DU. Was, was it connect that four? Is- be honest. Be honest. That's too I, I remember we get in the we had to call because uh, our our flights flights were out at like nine or ten o'clock at night that night, and we had been drinking daiquiris all day and we're like trying to make our phones work. It's like how do I how do I do it? Like what button do I? I found it out. Jay, Jay, Jay. I found it out. I found it out. They're coming. I ended up taking my flight. <laughs> it was pathetic. It was fun. George <laughs> does not like daiquiri day. I can't be a part of it. You haven't been there a couple times. Next year, 2021, dude, it's going to be crazy. How about Euros? I looked at that. It was, it was interesting. It wasn't oh, as good hands. This year, let's do a Europe, European trip. Or go to Portugal. We need to bring Pags out of retirement and get him back on the competition scene. Dude, he does 5Ks. He doesn't do jujitsu. 5Ks. <laughs> Run, walk. Yeah. 3.1 miles, my friend. Yeah. He power walks <laughs> on the strand in Manhattan Beach. That's what he does. He's a ra- reality TV star. I'm time, but you're going to be my first match, pal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready, Pags. I'm ready. I've been training. 
every day. I'm ready. Actually, I haven't trained in three weeks. I'm really fat right now. Don't you have a wife that trains? Not yet. Fiance, get it right. Bye. Nice. Congratulations. She's still got time to come to her senses. I'm prepared for that. Yeah, I'm jealous of you and Owens and and you guys can just be training at home, and and Tadashi can clearly footlock himself. (laughs) 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 Oh goodness! Hey, do that without your hands. (laughs) That was Bell's foot. I'm not BJ, you know. I can't do that. (laughs) Just try it. No, it's okay. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Look at this. This is not bad, man. Jesus Christ. I don't have that. I'm 48. I, I think it's, it's, av- it's average no, to I'm 47. Average. 47 or 48. I, I don't even know. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm old as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I do this. I can still do this, you know? Hey, does your leg ever get stuck back there and you need somebody to help you get it out? <laughs> Jay has a technique for that. <laughs> I do. It's also, yeah, it George, also doubles as a triangle escape. Yeah, yeah. George, George tried to do that escape on me some, one time. You that's got the so Port City Triangle Escape. It worked. He did get out of the triangle, but you were really, really mad after that. Yeah. You gave, yeah. gave him the beating of a leg. Sensei Jay told me what to do, so I was just following instructions. Could we lose, Jay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm, I'm certain he's coming back. It's That's cold. the right person to lose, uh, by the good. way. This is a win-win for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Close, close I, have a, I have a question for Pat and Nate. So you, <laughs> what was that? Go, go ahead. Go ahead, John. So you guys had like 93 to 2,000. Like none of us were there. Can you guys kind of explain like what was going on then? Like I would imagine there was like, that was quite a contentious scene in BJJ. There's a lot of like, I imagine these like people coming up to the academy just challenging you. Is that, is that actually what happened? Like what was going on then? Pat, you go ahead first. Um, I mean, not MMA. I mean, mostly it was grappling, but yeah, yeah. I think, um, Dude, that's when you know the UFCs came out, and um, there were constantly people coming in and just uh, asking questions. And Roberto was really, really like kind of cautious, you know, about who would come in and stuff. But there were just some characters who came, you know, and it always was built up like somebody would come, Roberto would do the class, <clears throat> then at the end we kind of talk about who was going to wrestle the guy, you know, and. Uh, that was that was in the first school, um, and uh, but yeah, it happened a lot actually. It was it was fun. And when, you, loved it. and when you say wrestle the guy, you basically mean like drop the hammer on him. Oh yeah, Roberto would always kind of say, "Come on, man, show him jujitsu," you know. And uh, yeah, it was fun. And Roberto did it himself too. It wasn't just it wasn't us, you know. So um, so show him jujitsu was basically like drop the hammer on him. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when people would come in, Roberto would put in with Pat. And that's what I remember in the beginning. And it's funny, you talk about challenges. I don't remember this, Pat. Some guy faxed a challenge to Roberto. Do you remember that? 
I remember yeah, it came through the fax machine and he like formally challenged. He was like a karate guy that wanted to challenge Roberto. I'm like, I remember being like, what are you going to do? He's like, this guy ain't coming down here, man. Nothing's going to, you know, the guy never came down. But we had a few people come in. And I always remember. So I remember where it was like Pat would be the one to roll with them when they came in. And then it started. Then after you, it would be like the Florian brothers. And that's where the Florian welcome came from. You guys remember the yeah, Florian welcome? That means what, they, what, what, what does that mean? They would smash the person. Yeah, Their rule would, was two limp, taps. Limp out of there. I two remember, taps, like, and then they could roll with them normal. This um, is like a challenge situation. It was anyone that came in that was, you know. Okay, so sort of like you're green lighting them a little. That, that well, I think that was the way the Florians, there, there was that what they called it, the Florian welcome. But I, I still remember one guy came in to do a challenge and um, I remember I came in and they were like, you're going to take this. This is going to be your guy. And um, I remember uh, I, I'm like, so is it a fight or is it? And they're like, I don't know. We'll just see what happens when he would. Do you remember this, Pat? I don't know if you were there for this. I remember the Florians were there. So I didn't know if it was going to be a fight or grappling. And at first they said it was going to be a fight. And um, I was really excited because I felt like I got to watch Pat have people come in and the Florians. And so the fir- for the first time for me to do this and this guy walks in and he was kind of like a Medina build, like really short, but he was really jacked. And I remember he had a huge brand on his arm. And um, in the last minute, they're like, okay, at first they were like, well, maybe we'll do like slap fight slaps, but no fist. And then at the end, they're like, it's just going to be grappling. And I remember they're like, you know, it's going to be, he's a real, he's comes from a pancreas style. So watch your feet. And I was really pumped and amped up about it. And, um, but kind of nervous too, you know, I didn't want to like let the school down kind of thing. And, uh, the guy ended up sucking. He had no idea what he was doing. He was just a muscular guy that sucked. And I, I realized that halfway through, he had no idea what was happening. Um, but I do like, I remember being very proud that they wanted me to do that. I also remember some guy came in. Do you remember this Pat where, um, the guy came in and challenged and Roberto wasn't there. And so he went with Kenny and Kenny's like, we're just going to grapple. And they started fighting in the middle of it. The guy like picked Kenny up and was like slamming him from his guard over and over. And so he picked Kenny up and Kenny put his forearm out and the guy dropped down right into Kenny's form and his nose just, and there's blood going everywhere. And we're kind of watching like, this is awesome. And Roberto walks in and goes, what the hell's going on in here? And starts screaming at everybody. And Kenny's like, um, uh, he just, uh, and the guy, that guy's like, oh shit. Um, I think everybody shit their bands that Roberto was pissed. But are these like dojo storms? Like you're just going in for class and some dude shows up. You know, the way I remember things was not very, besides the guy faxing it, it wasn't really formal like that. Like, I mean, think of all <laughs> of us coming is, in. The faxing we is just, the best. You came in and you just wanted to train. And a lot of people, I think, came in and you think about back in that time period, there was just a lot of meatheads that were like, uh, we're going to fight. Like we do, you're doing UFC, right? We fighting in here and that's the kind of person that would get stuck with Pat or Kenny or Keith at Frankel at that time. Um, 
Yeah, I can see because it would be before before there's a lot of it would actually before internet, right? Really early internet. So it's not like people really didn't understand what that was all about, too. They're probably like, yeah, you know, I punch dudes and you guys can't handle that shit. You right? know, I remember a guy coming. I don't remember this, Pat. The guy, this guy came into to MMA class once that wanted to fight. I, I forget what the thing was. But Frank was like, I'll go with you and you can do whatever you want. And John, I was there that day. John had a very sadistic side to him when someone pissed him off. And so they were going and John just kept leg kicking this guy. And then when the guy would lift his leg, cause he wasn't used to it. Cause John was doing Muay Thai jujitsu wrestling. He was ahead of the time way back in the, in the mid nineties. And, and um, so now John's just chopping his other leg out and he's just tabletopping the guy. The guy would stand up and John would, come in for a leg kick, he'd lift his leg up and he'd kick the other leg out and the guy would go up in the air and back down, boom, on the mat. And he musted 20 or 30 times with a guy. I mean, at this point, we're all like, why don't we just stop? Like, you can just not fight anymore. And the guy kept getting up and John just kept kicking his legs out. So there were people that came in. There were people that came but in. But they weren't, I, I, you shouldn't get the wrong idea either that like these guys came in and they didn't know jujitsu and people just tore through them. Like, I no. Yeah, I remember two guys that I <clears throat> that I went with. They were they were tough. I mean, not in the jujitsu sense, but they were just so strong, you know. Yeah. And uh, one was in the first school, <clears throat> and I remember just being like like tired and thinking like, I, man, I gotta get this guy before I get too tired, you know. And because you're so strong and muscular, there was another guy downstairs when the red room was first open, and there was a guy, there was a student named Jeff. Do you, I don't know if you guys remember him. Stonecutter Jeff? He went to, no, I went to BC. Remember him? Oh, strong, yeah. Strong kid. Yeah. And he kept on talking about this kid that wanted to come out from wherever he, he uh, Pittsburgh or something like that. And he says, you know, will you go with him or whatever? And he had come in and Roberto says, hey, some guy wants to wrestle you. He knows Jeff. So I, I remember coming in and then we went in the red room. Let's go. I said, let's go in the red room and we'll go. Um, and this guy was this guy was tough. I remember him like picking me up and like slamming me like in the, in the red. I'm thinking, holy shit, this guy's strong. But I didn't know how good his jujitsu was. So it was never like you know we just just tore through somebody. I mean, you really had to use jujitsu. But uh, I love that stuff. That was great. I mean, that really was kind of what it was all all about back then. And uh, then when you beat him, you just couldn't wait for the next guy to come in. Pat, were you the first one out of the group to fight MMA? Yeah. I think so, yeah. 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 Pat was the yeah. first one. And then Littlefield, right? Littlefield, yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is all uh, underground stuff, right? Nate? Uh, not really. Mine, was, no. mine wasn't. No. So, so, Pat, you were down in D Virginia, Virginia Beach. Virginia, yeah. right? And then when I did it and Littlefield did it, I still remember them, Kip Collar coming in the back and saying, guys, I mean, they're like, he's like, this isn't illegal, but it's not technically legal either. So the back door's over there if you need to get out. And he goes, but all the cops are in the audience in, the, in Rhode Island here, the, wherever we were. And so he's like, you're probably okay. But I remember thinking like, what did I get myself into? What did Pat get me into? <laughs> he signed me up. I had the email somewhere. Nate, I signed you up for an MMA fight. You're ready. <laughs> Glad I did, though, right? Yeah. And then when I got there, <laughs> I remember. So I remember 
I ended up fighting Jimmy Hattori, who ended up training with us after that. But I had watched Jimmy fight Kevin McDonald on the card before where Littlefield fought. And I remember watching him and he was just, he had good, he was a wrestler that had been doing Muay Thai and Kevin couldn't get him down and he kept leg kicking him over and over and over. And when Kevin would clinch, he'd just knee him to the body. And I remember looking at Littlefield and I go, I wouldn't want to fight that guy. And so <laughs> we'd show up and the guy was supposed to fight, didn't show up. And Kip goes, yeah, your guy's not here. Um, but that guy's guy isn't here either. And I look over and it's that guy. And I'm like, shit. And he's like, you want to fight him? I remember in my head, I'm like, no. And Pat goes, yeah, he'll fight him. So, <laughs> How did it go? It was fine. I actually didn't get hit. I, I don't remember getting hit. But the next morning I woke up and I, my leg was, I, I had checked a kick once that, that um, my ankle swelled up after that. But besides that, the fight was fine. I didn't get hit at all. Um, but I couldn't, I remember I couldn't choke, I couldn't get him in anything. He kept slipping out and he became a training partner at ours at Boston Media J and Team Elite after that and a good friend. And I remember talking with him later and he goes, when he was, it was him and Matt Lee, Matt Lee fought Mike Littlefield that night and I fought Jimmy and, um, he goes, yeah, when we found out we were fighting guys from Boston BJJ, we went across the street to CVS and bought baby oil and put it all over ourselves. So, so you guys, and I was like, I couldn't, I would put stuff in. I couldn't hold on to you. Like you were so damn slippery. So I got baby oil all over myself. You and ended started, up doing it, got him with an arm bar, right? No, that was a decision. I did get him. I got him an arm bar triangle. He copped out of every, got out of everything. Um, wow. I still remember I, um, I had him in a triangle and he passed. And I, I had this like, oh shit moment. And I still remember Pat had come around the side of the cage and he just was like, you're fine. You've been here a million times. And I just remember hearing your voice around the crowd, like calm me down so much and just put him back in guard and kept working from there. But I, I, I that was like one moment in that fight. I remember actually the other moment is if from the guard, I hit him in the face and it, his nose cracked like hard. And just out of habit from when you train, I, I hit him in the face and his nose went, and I go, oh, sorry. And then he looked at me like this and we both laughed and then we just kept fighting. Um, you just kind of have that moment when you crack someone in the face, I guess. So, But yeah, I always remember that moment where you're like, you're fine. You've been here a million times. Put him back in the guard. Keep going. So, so were, you, were you guys like cross training in like Muay Thai back then? Like what were you guys doing? Wrestling, Muay Thai? Like were you that ahead of the game? Like I, what was going on I, I in 90 so. something? I, I hate saying good stuff about Pat but, here. But Pat was kind of maybe a little bit ahead of the time then. Um, he ran that MMA class and what he would do was we did a lot of wall work. I don't know how you figured that out so early in the game, but Pat had figured how important it was to put someone on the wall and then work the takedowns and be able to fight from pinning someone on the wall or fight off of it. And then we would do groundwork and Frankel would teach the other side and do the stand-up. And Frankel had a, a stand-up background. He had, I think, been teaching at Sidyatong before that. He had been doing Muay Thai somewhere else before that. And so we were doing a lot of wrestling, a lot of... Um, Muay Thai and a lot of jujitsu, and it was a really, really good early cross training back then. I don't know if you want to add more to that, Pat. I, th <clears throat> I thought that class was great. I thought just the uh, it was tough. I mean, people came in. I mean, Owens, you you came into that. You were there, um, and it just was. I thought the blend between John's stand up and the groundwork together just wasn't one or the other. 
Um, I felt that that was more ahead of its time because people were either doing one or the other. But the fact that we were doing both, <clears throat> I thought it was great. And there was a couple other guys, you know, Mike Littlefield had some stand-up stuff too. And, um, Joe so Pomper? And Joe was no, there. I don't think Joe was there. Was it? Yeah, maybe he might have been. Yeah, that's he right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Started with us. Um, yeah. Joe Best was in there. The Cali. He'd wear his MMA gloves, and you'd try to throw nice light jabs, and he'd hammer fist my hands all the time as hard as he could. I'm like ah. <laughs> that's Cali. also was like right. the jujitsu fashion came in there too because we we had the uh, the small shorts on for a long time, but then it went to the. Uh, the Spanks there, the long ones for a while. I think Doug Kalenda came out with those. So it kind of changed up the style. Doug Kalenda must, you know, he elicits some stories. So if you, you know, if you think about Doug, he's probably the strongest man I've ever rolled with, but definitely the nicest guy I've ever seen in my life. You know, you could, you'd be going 100%, he'd be going 2%. He wouldn't, you know, the only time I ever saw him get mad is he got... He got mad at Sam one time. Yeah. Sam got him in a triangle and Doug picked him up and put him on the windowsill. <laughs> and he got out of it that way. He just like <laughs> used the windowsill to get out of the triangle. And that's the maddest I've ever seen, Doug. But talk about a, a, an interesting character to say the least. And one of, I, probably I roll nice. with Doug. Well, before this happened, I roll with Doug every Friday. He comes in every Friday and we roll. He's still, he's still hard to move. He doesn't want to get swept. I remember watching Pat and Doug, same as you were talking about, and being a little bit in awe. Who said it? Pags, like watching the – and I remember Doug had caught Pat in a guillotine, and Pat, you climbed up his body, and you stuck your toes in his knee pads, and you were, like, hanging off of him. And he was trying to choke you, and you were, like, frothing, but you wouldn't tap. And he dropped down, and you picked him up and turned him, and I just – I was like, holy crap. I don't want to wrestle with those guys. Doug was, uh, he was the best guy to train with. And Roberto trained with Doug a lot too. They used, they used to go really hard. And, uh, and then when Doug would come in and you would, he would have a quad for espressos before you trained, you knew that it was going to be just all out. And Doug, when you would train with him, he would be like blowing his nose on you. He would be spitting. I mean, it was just, it was disgusting. Um, but he would just get so into it, and uh, it, it was it was a blast. So he, but again, like you said, he was the nicest guy. Just you know, would train with anybody. But when he wanted to go hard, he would just he would go hard. Uh, he had these, his legs were so huge and so strong that, that was the hardest part of him to control. Because I always like to to control somebody's legs. You could with him. It just he was way too strong. And, and Pags, he, he was the guy, when you mentioned Harvard Stadium, he was one of the first guys to, he used to go up all the way down, I don't know how many rows there were, Everyone. one way, then the other. That was an animal. So he'd take me there when I was fighting, and I'm 25, right? He's got to be 10 years older than me. By the time I made it around the stadium, he'd, he'd have done two. And, um, and I can remember I got to the end, and I'm just dying, and he's like, all right, I'm going to hop on your back. And Doug, what, 215 at that point? My legs are already done. He's like, I'm going to hop on your back and you're going to bunny hop up the, not the steps, but the bleachers. And I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. just like, Doug, I can't even stand up at this point. Just do it. And so he gets on my back. I jump 
I rake my shins down the cement because that whole stadium cement and I'm just laying there flat. And he's like, well, go on the stairs and bunny hop up. And I still remember this, this visual. <laughs> I'm just crawling up the stairs with Doug on my back, not hopping or anything, just like defeated crawling up the stairs. Those workouts with him were horrible. But you were in I shape. Kenny, I saw Kenny talking to you one day, and Kenny said, if I can keep Doug in my guard for more than a minute, I'm doing really good. Well, he, Kenny was training for a fight, and Doug, and this was right at the last week, and I always remember this because it was the way Kenny thought. It was, it was good, it was, and um, he was going, and Doug just passed his guard in like 30 or 40 seconds and got to side control and went back and did it again, and someone said, aren't you discouraged going into the fight when Doug's passing you that fast? And he said, no. When we started, Doug would pass me in like eight or eight or 10 seconds. And I got it to be like 12 or 14. And now it takes him 26 to 30 seconds. Like that's a lot of progress for me right there. And I always remember, I heard him say that. I'm like, huh, I never would have thought of it like that. I would have just been like, shit, he's still passing my guard. So, so Doug was a, Doug was a specimen. I tell people that know Jimmy now that Doug was the Jimmy before Jimmy. Like, Doug wasn't interested in like submissions. He wasn't interested in like, getting, he, he just was there for the workout and learning good technique. And if he passed you, he wouldn't like go and hurt anybody or anything like that. He just was, his goal was just to get top position and that was it. Uh, and he was a big uh, influence of uh, Keith Raquel too in all Keith's USC fights. Doug was his main training partner and Doug would just, they would just go at it. And because uh, Doug had really good stand up too. He came from a traditional background, but he did boxing, he did Muay Thai, he did all that stuff too. So, yeah, Doug and Pat were the two main MMA coaches for us, for all of us coming up, John and Mike. And so, Doug and Pat were like the main MMA guys um, cornering all of us. So, it's so, it's so funny. Like, when you like, I think about, about those Team Elite days, and I come across. Though, you know, obviously I've met most of those guys through jujitsu or, you know, cornering for Devin. Like, I, you know, I've crossed paths with a lot of those guys, but I've come across like, you know, like I used to, I had one job where um, I worked with Matt Lee's wife and it was really weird. And then I worked with Pat Smith at, uh, at EMC for a while. And um, I worked with, if you guys know Tyson Chartier, Tyson came to the game much later, you know, as a manager, but he was a, you know, we trained with Boston for a long time, became an MMA manager. And I met him when I worked at Oracle. It's funny, uh, you know, it's it's almost like Fight Club. When you see them at their day job, you're like, ah, Fight, you know, if I, if I would even acknowledge them, I wouldn't be talking to the same person. It's like not mm-hmm. the same animal you saw on Thursday night, you know, the night before. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's just amazing how many people you meet through this circle. And, you know, a lot of like based on the point that, you know, I met, I met a lot of those team elite guys or people that knew those team elite guys. And we, uh, we podcasted with Joe Lozon about a week ago and he was talking about the kind of the same time period, even though he didn't train with the team elite guys, but I think he spent a lot of time with Joe, with, with Joe Pomfret yeah. um, at, at the yeah. time. And, um, and it was interesting. We got his perspective on kind of those, that period and kind of the development when there weren't a lot of guys that wanted to get together and bang like that. It, first of all, it was hard to find guys that were good and technical. And then it was hard to find people that just wanted to train like that. 
And I think it was a unique time for you guys to be involved in kind of getting those guys that had good jujitsu that wanted to fight and brought all the best guys in New England together for hard training. I think it was mostly on Saturdays, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hard training. Yeah. And, and a lot of our, you know, our guys fought against the people that, you know, against Nuri and George Rivera. Um, you know, so we were kind of like on the opposite sides of, of uh, the ring, you know, it was just like exactly what you said, Jay. The idea was is to, to get the, to raise the game, you had to get the best people together. And the, the cool thing about that was like all those team elite guys came from all different places, but they had the ultimate respect for Roberto and Boston G- BJJ. And they would always want to get promoted. Like they didn't come into school, but they were always interested in getting promoted. I remember one time we had this dinner and, and I had promoted them all. Uh, I forget what I gave them for belts, but um you know, there was just that, that respect. So it all goes back to Roberto and it goes back to that time. And, um, you know, those guys could have never thought about like what, you know, Boston BJJ was, but they, they had the utmost respect for uh, everything Roberto was doing. So that was kind of cool for us. Cause we, you know, we had me, Doug, Nate, um, we're all part of that. So uh, it's a good time. I was always happy to have that foundation for me. Like, you know, that, the, the best part, you know, outside of kind of having, you know, obviously we had our own a little click there, you know what I mean? And it's obviously grown now, you know, now at this point, man, like, oh, well, you got your purple belt and I was a blue belt, whatever. Like now it's like, you just got like an ass load of stripes on your black belt. And I, like, you don't even remember what year is which anymore. So we all kind of just kind of hang together, but you guys were the leaders in the academy. You know, it was it was you and it was Nate and it was, you know, Keith and it was Kenny um, that I remember being the leaders in the academy. You guys would run class and um, the training was just so tough back then. And we, like, we needed to be led a little bit. You know what I mean? And Roberto needed you guys to help lead, like, because we always talk about how, you know, like hard training is like, oh, there's not meat hanging off the walls. It wasn't, but back then there was, <laughs> you know what I mean? That training was super tough and, uh, you know, there needed to be leadership. And and I remember you guys just being excellent leaders. But, but you, yeah. guys, you guys also took it to the next level because, yeah. Yeah. you know, the whole Pan Am stuff and, you you know, that whole, st- you know, that, that, that was awesome to see that your whole generation going out there and competing all the time and representing because that's something that we didn't do. Um, and you guys like just raised the level of that whole competition to uh, just something that beyond what we were doing. So I, I think we may have set the base on that, but you know, you guys are the leaders in, in, in the sport jujitsu and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you, you took it to the next level, no question about it. I, I remember with your group of guys, um, a lot of the guys that I was kind of at the same belt with, because a lot of you guys might have been white belts when I was a purple belt, maybe, kind of maybe that. Yeah. But as you guys progressed, I started watching a lot of those guys ducking you and not rolling with you guys because you were all so tough and you were all getting so good so fast. And I always remember like, I would try to grab every one of you that I could as much as I could to roll with you because you were all so awesome to roll with. And I, I remember watching people like, oh, well, I didn't want to, you know, I want to be a purple belt getting tapped by a blue belt. And so they'd avoid the rolls or then they'd start only going to 
the day class or a class where you guys weren't there and then they just quit jujitsu. <laughs> and like, I always thought that ah, what a shitty way to train and like to be afraid of people coming in cause they're tough. And so I think you guys, you know, you pushed the level of the Academy, but you pushed the whole level of the Academy, everybody, you know, people ahead of you, people under you as they came after you too. So it's good to think about. I mean, you know, when I, I have such amazing memories from the, that period in my, in my life. And it, and it had, for me, it had like my, my memories have nothing to do. Like, I don't remember how good I was or bad I was at jujitsu. I'd probably look back. I'd probably roll with that person and be like, Hey, you're pretty tough, but you, you suck. <laughs> but the, the, just those, the, the jujitsu is so unique in the way that we can, just really get after it with each other. And there's never a, never a negative thought in your mind about the other person. In fact, like when, when the toughest roles would finish the roles that like people would watch and be like, I don't know if we should let them keep going or should we stop them? And then at the end of those roles, that would be, would be the best. Like that was so awesome, man. Like big, big, you know, slap hands and hug and just be like, that was an awesome session, man. Like great role. You know what I mean? And that those memories I have of training like that, I can almost, I can go back and I can almost talk about like what, how different guys, like their games changed over the years and kind of the things that they would do. And I remember kind of those, those, those changes. I remember doing privates in the uh, red room with Mike, with Marcio Feitoza and some of the stuff I still teach about trying to control either the head or the hips when you're in top side, you know what I mean? And that kind of thing. And uh, when Tag started unicorning people and like, you know what I mean? was focused on his wrestling really hard. And I remember when John, John Brooks started doing, you know, those two, those, those basic sweeps from uh, the foot on the hip, you know what I mean? The kind of this, the, the two main sweeps you would do from the six point drill, Pat, that I remember when Brooksy would start catching everybody with those sweeps and it was like, everybody knows those sweeps that we're training with. It's just like, he would set it up in a way that you just, you, you couldn't stop it and you would get those sweeps. And I remember that. I think we were brown belts when he started doing that. And he'd get everybody in the academy with those sweeps and people would be like, I know what he's going to do. I'm like, you like, it's just, that's, that's his game. It's going to be hard to stop. And just so many amazing memories of, of that training. And I, it was formulative for me in, in jujitsu. And kind of the reason I run Sports City the way that I do is that, you know, George and I kind of want to keep the the level like that keep the training tough and if people don't sign up and they don't stay that's okay you know it's not you know we're not <laughs> we're certainly not doing it for the money um but it's you know that it was so formula for guys inside every time you say that mm. <laughs> someday we'll make some money right georgie once pal signs up right i'm me up dude i'm ready to go is there a lockdown in New Hampshire? <laughs> Live free or die in New Hampshire, pal. So, Jay, yeah, what you're saying? What you're saying is it's kind of like playing guitar, huh? <laughs> Just like playing guitar, right, Riddler? Exactly like playing guitar. Music and jujitsu are exactly the same. I'm not, I shouldn't have said anything. They're exactly the same. I shouldn't. No have said difference anything. at all. No difference, Jay. You you know it. You know. <laughs> Hey Pat, I'm. I got a question about when Roberto, when you first started with Roberto, what were his classes like? Like, what was like the structure of his class, and what were the techniques he was showing? Do you remember? It was the same thing that he was doing, you know, 
the schools afterwards. And he, he kind of, you know, warm-ups were kind of basic with him. We really didn't do a whole lot of, you know, warm-up. But, uh, and he, you know, it was just that straight Gracie Baja, you know, techniques that, that we all learned, you know, going through him. So um, I think that that was awesome about Roberto. He didn't really – I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff coming at that time until the tournaments really started coming out more. Um, but it was just that straight Gracie Baja escape from mount, escape from side mount, armbars, and um, it was great. Roberto actually at that time, which was interesting, he did a little bit more stand-up than he did, I think, when we went to the downstairs school. Um, Roberto's stand-up is actually good. He had some really good judo stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't much much, much different. Um, what was different was the, the training outside of the class, like the Saturday morning open mats and stuff like that. That's when it got a little crazy. But the classes are pretty structured. He, he, he liked to, you know, always had a technique that he would teach and kind of stuck to it. I remember the thing I remember with him teaching, this is kind of, you know, they say you turn into your parents. Um, we'd go to Starbucks, usually Pat, sometimes you'd be down there unless you were working, but I'd usually meet Roberto, but Pat and Doug would go down to Starbucks. I didn't drink coffee at the time and uh, Roberto would get a coffee and we'd go and he'd teach the beginner's class and he used me as a dummy a lot, probably because of my size. Kind of you know how you get stuck all the time in seminars, George, right? And, uh, and whatever he'd teach, he'd have coffee breath right on my face the whole time. Ugh. And now, now, see, Owen's probably, it, maybe a lot of you might know that. Now, when I teach, I always use Scott. And I drink coffee all the time now. And I can see Scott moving his face. I've become <laughs> Roberto. <laughs> the coffee breath. I make a point now to stick it right in him. He's probably listening right now, but. We don't have that problem that much, but George has been using me as a dummy a lot, which is great. I think it's because it it, it pushes his ego because I'm literally twice as big as he is, except for his head. But his new thing <laughs> is that George doesn't talk like this. George talks like this. And on Wednesday mornings, there's like three guys in the class. It's pretty I'm good, like, George. Right. He's right here. And I'm. I've been playing music my whole life and I'm sort of half deaf in this year already. And I'm going like, like try it, please stop yelling in my ear. So, you know, That's he's carrying Riddler. You're no old way. and deaf. I want to make sure yes. you hear it. Exactly right. But it's the tradition that. carries on in just its own weird George way, you know? So isn't that the funny thing, guys? Like I'm looking at this unbelievable set of legends and like your legacy is, is that guy George over there? That's what you're passing it down to, which is the best. The first time I remember when I first met Nate. Nate told me that uh, he, I was like, "Oh yeah, I train with Jay." He's like, "Yeah, don't tell anybody that." <laughs> Jay keeps uh, disappearing. I, 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 I'm not sure what exactly is going on there, but he's sorry. I'm having some uh, some technical difficulties. He's on the toilet. <laughs> The masturbation habit. He's going to come back with a flying squirrel in a minute, I think. <laughs> you know, it, it is cool seeing everybody in here. I look at the faces and I think of all the stuff I've gotten out of everybody, um, jujitsu wise, and watching everybody. I mean, it's funny because I have, I probably could say a nice, funny, embarrassing story about every person in there. 
but also things Do that it. I've learned. What's that? Do it. You want yours? Yeah, like the time you took me to the Dr. Chomsky's office, you know? Remember uh, yeah. Yeah. I embarrassed Tadashi very badly there. I didn't know who Noam Chomsky was, and Tadashi loved Noam Chomsky. And Tadashi's a linguistics, uh, studied linguistics. So when he came to Boston, I didn't know Noam Chomsky was a world famous guy. And so I just walked into his office and start, and he was so mortified. He wanted to go look at his door and then leave. Like, let's look at his door. I'm like, well, let's just go in. And we went in and you sat and talked with Noam Chomsky for a good 20 minutes, didn't you? It was great. Aren't you glad we did that? And we left and he said, I love you for this and I want to kill you right now. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. But I would also say, like, I could look at stuff that I've learned from every one of you guys, which is pretty cool. I mean, I play a lot of leg lasso, and I do that because Tadashi's such a pain in the ass to pass his guard with his leg lasso. He puts that left leg and hooks your arm, and I was like, no matter what, when I roll with Tad, I don't want to let him leg lasso this arm. And that's when I started doing that. Like, every one of you guys has had an influence on me. Uh, the way you are on the mat, off the mat in a really good way. So it's pretty cool to see this, you know, to see all these guys in here. I wish get Kenny and Keith and Franklin here as well. It would be pretty cool. But I was thinking too, as I was looking at everybody, and, and even though we came from the same school, everybody has a different style and the way that they use it, which I think is kind of cool. It's not like everybody came from yeah. the same techniques. You guys all took it and kind of made it your own. And um that that's awesome. I think if if we're all the same, we all have the same jujitsu, all that. It's just uh, the jujitsu wasn't made to be uh, be practiced that way. But everybody here that's on this call, everybody had their own unique style and, and strengths, which I thought was awesome. And I and I the cool part is getting to get with you guys every now and again and, and get some training in. And I always get something out of those sessions, you know, like, uh, like coming up for Pan Ams, I was down at Mass PJJ every Wednesday and I would get little things from Nate that, that I was or wasn't, but maybe like kind of like off on an angle or like a little detail that I could pick up and those things stick, you know what I mean? And it's at the end of all those trainings, you're like, Oh, well, like you hope you go, you win, you win that tournament or whatever. And it's like, it's just funny that I like, I added these two or three details over, you know, the course of 10 or 12 weeks that kind of now are just part of my game. And I remember, same thing with you, Pat. Um, uh, I remember like two or three years ago, I was down, we rolled in the cage in Acton and we just kind of started rolling and just didn't stop. And we, it was like an hour and 20 minutes of training without really any stopping. And, you know, we kind of went over a couple things afterwards that you kept doing to recover your guard. And it had to do with like how you, you would, you would turtle and you would pull that sleeve across and you just, make it so easy for you to just recover your guard again. And uh, that's stuff that I do all the time now. And I'm like, I'm showing people, I'm like, hey, you should try this. This is like really good details that I get from all you guys when we spend time, except for Pell. His jujitsu is junk. <laughs> is he still on here? Pell, are you there? He's muted, but he's yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> but Pat, what are you saying? You said I agree with you. <laughs> Pat, when uh, we got to get you up to Port City at some point, you're like a legend up there. Everybody knows your name, but um, they haven't gotten a train with you. So we got to get you up there once we Pat, get through. Yeah, get to them. Don't warm weather, man. 
The, the, the academy is in a vacant gym with no heat, hot water, anything. You should definitely go there. Hey, it's so totally not true. That none of that what Pal just said is true, and we have a sauna. Let me nice. Let me Pat. Let me tell you what. Every time I go to an event at Boston BJJ, or we had it at Mass BJJ in Acton or Arlington, and we do like the everyone rolls at the end part, slap hands with some. I just let whoever pick me slap hands with someone. Hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Port City. And then they try to murder me. <laughs> hey, where are you from? Port City. And they try to murder me. Well, Jay, look, Jay, like, hey, Jay, tells us, Jay tells us to do that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what are they trying to kill you? Oh, I tell them all, like, you're really good and they, have a, they can learn from you. They all try to murder me. I'm the nicest one that trains there. I'm the gentle one. I get, I get a bunch of 25-year-olds kicking the shit out of me all week. I've never felt more healthy than during COVID. <laughs> all my body parts work again. Uh, well, guys, I know it's uh, we've been on here for, for a while, but like this is amazing to get, kind of get all of you guys at the same time, especially right now. It's hard for, any, for people to connect at all. Um, and for it to be like this, to kind of be able to, you know, talk about old times, see you guys' faces. You know, Pags, I haven't talked to you in a couple of years. It's awesome to catch up. Um, the rest of you guys, you know, I, I see pretty much on the regular, but, you know, it's been tough over the last few weeks, so it's awesome to connect and kind of laugh about some old times and, you know, hopefully, you know, point towards sometime in the very near future we can get back on the mat and do the same thing. Absolutely. Great to see well, you all. Welcome to see retreat in Sedona, boys. Come on out. Dude, I love it there. I would love to come out. And I, you know what? I have two vacations that were planned that got canceled because of this. And now I've got, I've got lots of vacation time built up, man. I think they're going to want you to go back to work at some point, Jay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not so sure of that. <laughs> well, thanks George. for hosting it, guys. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks. It was, it was a lot of fun. What do you Thank got, you George? for coming, man. I appreciate it. And I will get uh, – I'm going to get John Frankel and Kenny and Keith and, uh, and Roberto to do it too. So we'll get, uh, we'll get some more, some more history. Awesome. awesome. We'll delete the Pellegrino parts. <laughs> Black him out totally. Hey, he doesn't even know, doesn't even know how to roll his brim. Hey, I know where you live in Littleton. I'm gonna bring it, Pellegrino. Bring it. <laughs> I miss you guys. I miss all you guys. It's good to see your faces. Yeah, I've been messaging you when this is over, Brooks. I'm coming yeah. down. I'm I'm probably like two miles away from Nate right I know. now. I know. We can almost run to one another. Yeah. I don't know if I can run that far, actually. Yeah. <laughs> What's your mile like? You know, is it like a nine-minute mile, seven-minute? What are we talking, Nate? Am I biking it? I can bike it. <laughs> bike it. <laughs> it's less right. than a half hour run. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I, I, I truly love you guys, and uh, it's awesome to catch up with you guys, and I can't wait to see you guys soon. Thanks so much. You guys, take care. Stay healthy, you guys. Stay healthy. Say peace, George. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>